It always ends like this. This is a podcast about Nier, Nier Automata, and Drakengard 3. Welcome to Skies of Academia, a podcast about critical analysis of games, their systems, and their social and cultural influences. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me for today's topic is Ashley. Hello! Who you may remember from uh, Totally Reprise, and Polly. Hey! Which I I don't know if you've been on other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, but I've done on my own, so... Okay. Uh, so for today's topic, we're actually going to be focusing on a single game, uh, Near Automata, uh, <clears throat> developed by uh, Platinum Studios and Square Enix. Um, I-, I believe you mean Near Automata. Uh, please no. I was going to bring that up. Don't do that to me. Okay. It's, it's what they pronounce. We, we settle it, this first. It's how they pronounce it in the game. Uh, I, I mean, I guess you can say that, but I, I prefer Automata. So that's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Also, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's derived from automaton, so automata. Also, it's my podcast. So what I oh, so you make the rules? Yes, exactly. I make the rules. I'm auto the... tomato, auto tomata. <laughs> God damn it! I'm the commander. Uh, yeah. Um. I, uh, my background with this sort of game is that I have played uh, every other game that Yoko Taro has created. Uh, I played a bit of Drakengard 1. Um, I actually bought it after playing the original Nier. Um, and I attempted to get through it all, but I, I got like halfway through the first route because Drakengard 1 is not a very enjoyable game to play. Uh, and then I also played Drakengard 3, which I actually got almost all the way through, but could not get past the final, final boss. So screw that. Uh, but yeah, so I have a lot of history with this weird-ass franchise. What about you two? Uh, this is my first time with it, with this, any yeah, of these this, games anyway. Yeah, this is my first uh, Yokutaru joint. Nice. All right. So I'm I'm kind of glad about that because uh, that way I'll kind of have a perspective of someone who isn't completely uh, submerged in the weird Dragon Dragoon universe uh, and can kind of judge it on its own merits. Although I did do a lot of background, seeing how it all connected to these three seemingly different franchises. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we'll get into this a little later, but near Automata, just kind of in general isn't like it it has it obviously is a sequel to near but it's not significantly connected like knowing things about near will probably spoil a twist or two for you but other than that like you're not missing a whole ton 
I, I was surprised at how much, in the beginning, it's not that referential to the past game, but as you get deeper into it, there's a lot, it starts uncovering that whole previous game's uh, backstory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of how it was for Nier as well. Like, when Nier came out, it looked completely unrelated to anything else Yoko, Yoko Taro had done. And then it wasn't really until the very last part uh, where it became clear that it was actually connected to Drakengard. So, it's it's pretty similar to the original Nier in that regard. Anyway, so... Unlike a lot, unlike other Yogotaro games, uh, Nier Automata was created. Uh, this the gameplay systems were created by Platinum Studios, so the game was created to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was gonna say the game is fun now. Apparently, yes, it is. Uh, like, and I, I am a pretty big Nier defender. Um, I still kind of do like how that game plays. But you know, it's not, it's not very accessible. And look, it there's a lot of things about Nier that kind of hate you and are seemingly meant to hate you. Whereas, like, there's almost nothing of that sort in Nier Automata. Like, the closest it's get it gets is the, um, is the friggin' Speedmaster or the whatever the hell that robot is called. This that uh. side quest. Oh, that side quest. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there is the looking at Nier gameplay. There is like gameplay elements copied over like the bullet segments and the um the little thing on your shoulder that shoots at stuff yeah the pod like it's not holding new cloth yeah like the pod stuff is pretty much just the exact same thing that the grimoire vice was in near um just like instead of a sentient book you have a sentient little robot buddy um that uses the magic spells uh, and shoots bullets a lot. Um, that that too has been streamlined. Uh, though, I don't know, I, I feel like switching between the specific spells it can do is actually a little harder, a little more irritating in <laughs> Nier Automata than it was in Nier. Like, pretty much, that's pretty much the only thing that's less good in Nier Automata. Than it really I, I, pretty much, I pretty much stuck with the laser the entire time. The laser's pretty good. I got a lot of use out of this, the ground spears, uh, which was also a very good spell in the original Nier. Uh, uh, yeah. I would definitely use some of the uh, rotating swords. Oh, yeah, the ones that, like, form a attack shield around you. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh, just for, for when there's a bunch um... of people. Or, and also Mirage. I also did a lot of Mirage. For reference, though, what difficulty everybody? Excuse me. For reference, what difficulty did everybody play on? I normal. started on normal, um, which I found to be fine, um, with the exception of like, I felt like the damage was a little bit overtuned during the boss fights, so I eventually turned it down to easy. Um, I I did normal. Um, I found normal to be incredibly easy, but I was comfortable with it. I didn't want to really make it harder on myself because I kind of wanted to, you know, see the end of the story. So yeah, I stuck with normal. Yeah. Uh, I am not the per- kind of person who wants challenge from a video game necessarily. Uh, so I thought normal was perfectly fine. Um, yeah. So no, no very hard. No one. No. Oh God. No, <laughs> no. I, I, there were, that stuck in my back of my head. The entire playthrough was, were uh, certain scenes. I was like, there's no way. 
Yeah. I know someone will do it, but there's just no way I would do a one-hit kill mode. Yeah, for yeah, for for anyone who's who's not familiar, very hard in your automata means that if you get hit, you die, which is just like I'm really looking forward to the speed run that's on very hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see the wizard who's able to do and, that. And I think on hard and very hard they disable auto aim or lock on. Ooh, that sounds rough. So, yeah, I believe... I know Very Hard disables it, and I believe Hard also does. And with Very Hard, it'd be just sound really annoying because as a, as a part of the gameplay, when you die, you have to go back to your body and get your chips back. Otherwise, they're sort of like Dark Souls, I guess. Yeah. Where you have to get yourself back. That, that was one of the things that really interested me about the game is when it revealed that like very light kind of Dark Souls influence where... If you connect to the internet, uh, when you die or when someone else dies, your corpse will be placed in the area where you died, like with a randomized or chosen message. And like people can recover you to gain some temporary bonuses and also like pick up some uh, chips. Uh, Or get like someone to fight for them. Yeah, or they can, or they can repair you to fight for them, which is also pretty rad. Uh, and like, if and you and if you and if you die, you can like make a corpse run to get back your chips, and it's it's a really neat thing. <laughs> yeah, at some point, I eventually just stopped interacting with the corpses. Uh, I had because, like, a normal mode, you if normal mode, I found at some point you are just you have essentially. You're a walking uh, recovery, and it's. I think I died once in my game in my playthrough. Besides, um, besides the one part which I'm sure Ashley knows what I'm talking about here, the one scene's not combat related. I died once um, at the beginning of playthrough three, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, like the the thing about Nier Automata's difficulty mm-hmm. is that it's way more difficult at the start than it will pretty much ever be at any other time. Simply That's, because, like, once you get enough chips and you fuse them together, you can create just ridiculous combos of chips yeah. to slot into yourself. Yeah, I actually did die, I remember now, in the prologue, I died to the final boss, because it wasn't... Um, you can get... How the combat works is, if you are, I guess, in hit, stun, or whatever you want to call it, uh, hit frames, whatever, if you... You can't use your items. So you can get comboed and, like, get killed really fast there. I mean, twice in the final boss of the, uh, the intro... Yeah, or if or if something just does enough damage to like kill kill you outside of the thirty percent threshold that auto item can heal you, like auto item won't do any good. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. I, once you I, get I, a certain amount of chips, like the deadly heal and the damage heal, you just kind of become invincible. Oh god, yeah. The auto uh, he- the auto heal chip is just so good. <laughs> Yeah, I did not get, um, I guess, again, getting more deeper runs here. At a certain point, you cannot upgrade your chips anymore, and I was unaware of that, so I only upgraded my chips, like, once. So I didn't get, like, the super crazy offensive heals and all that. I just had basically one really good uh, auto-heal, which carried me through the entire game. Yeah, I I actually didn't equip any other healing chip other than the auto-heal. Like, everything else for me was, like, strength up, strength up, like, crit up. Uh, damage shockwave, that sort of thing. I want very heavy heal for my build. 
And then I had a separate speed build for that one fucking side quest. Oh, uh, yeah, this this the race side quest. Um, yeah, I pretty much didn't even attempt that until I had enough chips that I could just straight up max out my speed. And even then, like, I had to look at a guide. Like, I, I looked at a video guide to be like, okay, what is the optimal route here? <laughs> um... I, yeah, like I, yeah. I, I'm still, I, I'm still kind of amazed that like that's honestly kind of the worst side quest, which is like in comparison to some of those side quests in Near, is really not all that bad. <laughs> like I remember when I did a hundred percent playthrough of the original Near, uh, there is a side quest where you have to uh, create a garden of flowers and do through a very specific method interbreed flowers in order to get like this in in order to create a lunar tier and the thing with that is that it takes a certain amount of real life hours for the flowers to like breed so you have to oh god you have there's a way to get around that where you can like disconnect your PS4 three from the network and then manipulate the PS 3s internal clock so that you aren't spending like a week of real life time doing a side quest and it's ridiculous. See that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's pretty yes. bad. Some of the quests I wasn't sure if it was like a. Throughout the game, knowing that you know who who's behind it, I wasn't quite sure if certain things were like a commentary on games as a whole. Like I never got tier four weapon upgrades. I wasn't quite sure if that was a joke until I found out you can actually upgrade them to rank four. Yep, yep, you totally can. Um, yeah, you you just have <clears> to find <throat> the specific blacksmith in the forest castle. Um, but yeah, that's that's another thing that was kept that was like the. It takes a lot of resources to upgrade weapons, and like the weapons have stories attached to them. Which yeah, are like really I, cool. I felt like with weapons at least, I would, for like the majority of the time, I couldn't upgrade it like past one, and I would just have so much stuff, and then I'd get like the thing I needed to upgrade it past one, and then I could just upgrade it to four. Yeah, yeah. It, it the way that random drops work in this game is like some of them are super common, but then there's like one or two per weapon upgrade that seem to hardly ever drop. So like once you get past that hump, then you can you're usually fine, but yeah. The weapon upgrades are an interesting thing. <laughs> um and it, yeah, I it was one of those things where I didn't want to upgrade a bunch of stuff just to see their stories. Yeah, yeah, especially like oh man, the the iron pipe that brought back some memories um because at the beginning of near and do you mind if i spoil uh, like do a little spoiler for near here well this is a near spoiler cast so okay yeah so just so you know i'm gonna be spoiling parts of the original near and drakengard 3 um because drakengard 3 will also come up a little bit um not very much but a little bit uh but at the, at the very beginning of Nier, the game opens with the main character, Nier, and his daughter, uh, Yona, like, in this sort of uh, nuclear winter-ish 
uh, section of what looks like a United States city. Like, it looks like they're wandering through post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic New York in the snow. And you fight some shades, and your only, your only weapon is this iron pipe. Uh, and it, the iron pipe is badass. It does a ton of damage to these enemies that you will later on fight much later in, uh, the game, um, as like just normal enemies, not like tutorial enemies. And at the end of the game, like at the end of that tutorial segment, like Yona and Nier fall asleep inside, inside of, inside a convenience store, like an abandoned convenience store. And then there's like a title card that says like 20,000 years later or something. And it cuts to like this serene, like pastoral village where these people who look exactly like the Nier and Yona from the tutorial stage wake up. And what you eventually find out as you play more of Nier is that the tutorial segment was in... Uh, was in like Earth before the like before the breakdown of the Gestalt project, and what you are seeing in the future is the replicants of Yona and Nier, and who you fight as the Shadow Lord is the Nier you played in the tutorial, and so like that Iron Pipe has a lot of like emotional resonance with people who played through the original near like it has a lot of emotional meaning and so being able to find that in the game and like reading the first story and it's like ah yeah that's really cool um but yeah which yeah, kinda... i think uh go, go ahead. ahead i was thinking that i believe the one of the weapons at least one is something one of the ones near used in the first game the beast lord i think yeah so a lot of the weapons have like sort of carry over from the previous games. Yeah, and that's that's a thing that Yoko Taro has done. Like Dragon Guard Three did that with weapons from uh, uh, both I, th- I think both Nier and Dragon Guard One. Nier did that with weapons from Dragon Guard One, um, but they've never like given a conceit for it before. Whereas in Nier Automata, they do by explicitly name dropping a character from Dragon Guard Three called a Cord who is this, uh, who is this, like, I'm not sure if she's a robot or an android, but she's mechanical, uh, and she's, like, anime schoolgirl Doctor Who. Okay. (laughs) Where, like, her whole thing is that, like, she, uh, she explore, she uses, like, her time travel dimension hopping powers, to look through different branches of timelines to find one where humanity doesn't get screwed. (laughs) And so, like, the implication is that she's just taking all these weapons from Doom timelines and selling (coughs) them to you. (laughs) (laughs) Which I loved a lot. And I'm pretty sure that is the only reference to Drakengard 3 that exists in Nier Automata. But yeah, I, I love the conceit they used for that weapon shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like, how did you feel about 
I guess the the world that was presented in Nier Automata. Like, what did you think of that? Okay, this is funny because um, Ashley brought up to me a topic about how her prediction for I mean, we're doing spoilers, so um, the big spoiler is that of course humanity is all wiped out at the time of the game that you're playing. It's a whole conspiracy that you that it keeps it kept under wraps. <clears throat> that humanity is gone. So, and however, you, you time, find it out at the end of Route B. Yeah, yeah, Rupee, yeah. find out roughly, which it's pretty obvious spoiler. I would figure it out myself. However, at some point, I missed the the note that the resistance is all android. I thought they were all human. I initially thought that as well, um, but then like I can't remember what they got glowing eyes. I, I can't remember what tipped me off like later, but I, I it was like halfway through Route A, I think, where I was like, oh right, oh I guess the resistance also is androids. Um, well, it's because. Um... Uh, what's her name? Well, first it was the one guy. He, uh, actually, said you know the one guy who has you know repair his leg. But I was like, okay, it was just a cyber, you know, a synthetic leg. I thought he was repairing. Then you're the infamous mackerel uh, side quest. Oh yeah. I figured. Yeah, yeah I figured mm-hmm. when you eat mackerels, of course they're you know, of course they're human. Why would they have fish otherwise? But no, Jackass just gives you that fish because she doesn't want to test for herself what might happen to her. Oh, Jackass is yeah. so good. Jackass is great. Um, yeah, she's a, yeah. I initially thought she was voiced by Laura Bailey because she sounds almost exactly like the boss from Saints Row. Yeah, I, I, I get a feeling they probably wanted her for that role. They couldn't get her, <laughs> probably. But yeah, Jackass is a wonderful character who loves explosions more than anything else. <laughs> Her kind of moment at the end of Route C that if you look back in the notes is very good. Uh, I can't remember exactly what you're referring to. I believe... We're, we're just going all spoilers, right? Yeah, we're just, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I didn't know if we're going to have a, yeah. like, and here's the point. No, I'm, I'm just, like, I'm just doing full-on spoilers from the get-go for this. Okay. Uh, at the end of Route C, she figures out the whole... Well, she figures out the whole... You know, humanity is long dead, and that the robots and the androids have kind of been working together, weirdly enough. Uh, let me try to find, like, her actual uh, quote, because it's really fucking good. I, I just remember the... I think it's... I think you can only get it in root in the third playthrough. But I remember the thing she has when you do the final box puzzle to free the guy from like the box maze (laughs) and she's like how come you didn't you just like use explosive to get yourself out and he's like but i didn't have explosives it's like so make some he's like from what (laughs) like you should just be able to make explosives whatever Yeah, it sets up. I I do think it sets up a lot. I'm not sure if a sequel will be done. I, I think at this point it will happen because the game has done really well, I think. Yeah. I, I, I got the quote. It's basically like you have this very professionally written, like, summarization of what has happened. Uh, and then it says, uh, So then, to sum up, for hundreds of years we've been finding a network machine with the ghost of humanity at its core. We've been living in this stupid fucking world where we fight an endless war where we couldn't possibly lose. All for the sake of some council humanity on this moon that doesn't even exist. 
I don't know what the point of all this is, and I swear I will kill every evolutionary dead-end machine lifeform as well as every single asshole behind Product Yorha. I'm coming for all your heads. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jackass is pretty good. <laughs> um, I super like 2B a lot. Uh, yeah, 2B is really good. Yeah, I think the main, the core cast is really good. I, I love lo- 2B, I love 9S, I love A2. Their designs are all very good. Their personalities are all very good. I was a little worried that 9S would kind of grate on me, but he totally didn't, even when he goes like psychopath at the end. I, I love when he went psychopath. Yeah. Um, because I was real worried. Because like, I've had like main characters go psychopath before. Uh, and it's just, they've just been, like, irritating. It's like, oh, God, get over it. But uh, I, I totally did not feel that about 9S's change. Just very quickly, do uh, what languages do we all play in? Uh, I played in English. I, I played in English. I, I played, played in Klingon. I, I, <laughs> I also played in English. I played in Klingon. <laughs> I played in that weird ling- uh, angel, uh, angel language. That's in the towers. <laughs> oh God, I wish the the Watcher language actually. I believe. Yeah, I think um, the I think in playthrough A, it's the bosses are names are written in that. Then yeah. Playthrough yeah. then B and from from there on forward, they're all in English. Well, yeah, I which that is was pretty cool. I believe that happened in Near as well, where in playthrough A, um, all the bosses were in that angel language. And then in root B, which is the root where you could actually start to understand what the shades were saying, uh, that's when you could actually see their names as well. So Nier pulls a similar trick, um, and it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I think a large part of why 9S doesn't get really great ink, especially in his whole kind of descent into madness... Is I just think uh, Kyle McCarley did really good. Yeah, like because if in the hands of a lesser voice actor, it would just sound super ridiculous. Um, but he has just the right amount of rage. He's also you know overpowered, so it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hacking is ridiculous, um, and that is that is the one thing I didn't like though is that as much as as powerful as hacking is, I kind of hated it. Hated doing it constantly, even though it I is, like the idea of it. It is a, it's interesting, but it's, it was incredibly undercooked. It was um, very I, dull after a certain point. I it's forgot mostly, that it was there for half of the second playthrough. <laughs> well, so it's just if you get the right chips, you can just really like he's probably the fastest at combat because of that. Because he just takes off giant chunks of health and one shots normal enemies. And yeah, I tried not to use it. Just because I didn't like it, but combat is so slow without it. Yeah, it I, works. I definitely get having him do it for the second playthrough because at some point you just don't want to play the same yeah. fights again. Yeah. It does make the it. It was good for that, but the problem was that it's very repetitive. Um, like when you're killing individual enemies, you're doing essentially the same three second shooting segment every time one by one, all, you know, they're all closer together. Yep. And yep. there is the whole stealth aspect, but that's his range is so short 
and in most cases you're not even like attacking a group you're like getting ambushed so it kind of becomes pointless anyway being able to like remotely control enemies or have them like explode or whatever yeah i think i got that prompt to show up like four times every time was like on accident <laughs> yeah like when i got the like you know hack to like change you know like them to someone you know who worked for you or just explode them or like whatever i was like oh i guess i did something special that time and i didn't realize what it was was until like the finale like finale of the game <laughs> yeah they they don't communicate the game mechanics all that well um which is something oh, that yeah. happened which is something that happened in revengeance as well like they didn't really tutorialize things that should have been tutorialized um for example when you first play as a2 like your dash changes yeah and they that never thing, tell you i why. look it up and like they just briefly tell you how to use the like the go berserker mode and then i basically immediately forgot what that was because i didn't see the because because that fight was not good for it at all yeah like i asked people i was talking to people about that and they said yeah that's like the worst spot to bring up that mechanic but also things like the jumping like there is um you would see chests and stuff like from that you couldn't jump to with a double jump and i figured it was a another playthrough you'd go and get that stuff back but apparently yeah. you have like a whole suite of aerial moves to extend your extend your uh, jump and i never figured them out yeah you've got like a pod hover if you hold a you've got the pod fling if you uh press the a button and fire at the same time i, I think um, you mean the x button oh right x yeah i was using xbox controller at the time so um but yeah, yeah like if, you, I, I if you press your jump button and, and fire. PS4. I was on uh, PC. Yeah, I was I was PC using Xbox controller. So, um, yeah, there's there's just a whole lot of stuff that they don't tell you about, <laughs> which is unfortunate because like yeah. a lot of those things are pretty important. Um, I like getting to a lot of the uh, like buildings and like the, you know like the treasure chests that are way out there i don't feel was that important there's no like, they weren't there's like, essential there's like, anyway yeah there's like one that gives you a weapon and that's like the hardest jump in the game i think yeah i ended the game with probably about like 53 percent of the weapons but also i felt like i didn't need to go find all of them yeah unless you really yeah. want the achievement and don't want to just buy the achievement there's not much point just i love that you can buy the achievement yeah yeah it's it's an extremely yoko taro thing to do of just like completely undermining the entire idea of achievements i really also liked uh because you get that from the uh, machine headed wearing woman yeah yeah like the the two characters in the game who just constantly break the fourth wall uh, yeah, you get one, and then the other one comes in later. I think playthrough two, I think, or maybe it's later in playthrough A. I think it's later in playthrough A, but all of his stuff is gone. Like, well, that sucks. Sorry about that. And then like, yeah, like, it's not you, actually useful. Yeah, if you ask about like the like, oh, you know, doing emails is inconvenient. It's like, yeah, it is. Sorry. Yeah, or like, <laughs> I want more detail from the mini map. Oh well. Yeah, they explained that constantly as being like re low resolution. Yeah, like, the map just sucks for some reason. Like they can't afford better maps. Yeah, or like the, the save terminals. It's like, please be sure to save constantly. Remember, there are no auto saves because I don't believe in auto saves. 
okay, okay. I did like the fact that the that the um these sophisticated Yorha like you know Android boxes are disguised as vending machines. Like that's gonna like like really fool people. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's like, oh yeah, you can get a like candy bar from here. Totally. <laughs> and they're presumably just filled with like you know loads of like Android bodies, like just stuffed beneath ground or something. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the thing. Like that kind of as great as it is that they try to make that make sense in the universe, it also kind of breaks down when you start thinking about it, because it's like, so there are just, like, a bunch of 2B bodies just stuffed in there. <laughs> I guess they, they had to come from somewhere in the uh, tower. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so, uh, like a lot of Yoko Taro games, well, like all Yoko Taro games, and the Automata is sad. Um, Although apparently it's one of the rare times that she ends on a up note. Yeah, so I'll, I think we'll get to that uh, uh, much later. But yeah, this yeah. despite being very sad, uh, Nier Automata is the most hopeful game and optimistic game that, that Yoko Taro has ever made. <laughs> How many side quests did you guys do? Because I feel like some of them... Like, I don't think any of them are, like, vital, but I feel like some do really flesh out that world and also make you just feel like the biggest piece of garbage. I did almost all of them. Like, I, 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 apparently, missed, I apparently missed some of them, but I did basically all of them. The one I, I, I feel bad about missing is the, uh, the repairing the giant robot. For, like, I just... Uh, oh two. wait! Uh, repairing the giant robot. Which one is that? The I'm. It's like it starts with a G. It it's the thing you find in the city that makes the giant crater. Oh okay. See the the one I one of the ones I found that like apparently wasn't even just like a normal quest. It wasn't like it was the wise robots. Oh yeah, Where, the wise robots are wild. Where like you hack into them and they talk about like what is like what is our purpose if our purpose is futile, mm-hmm. and then like the very last one you hack into it, and he's like I my existence has no purpose, and then like you turn away, and then you hear like a crash, like you hear a robot explode, and then you find it's like item on the like it's standing on a ledge. And you find its item that it dropped at the bottom of the ledge. I'll never ran into that one. And it's like, the one I felt- oh, it committed suicide. You can, you don't have to turn around. You can watch it. it it's fucked up. Oh, yeah, oh right, yeah, I did watch it. Yeah, I did. Uh, Though speaking of, speaking of that, actually, this segues into uh, another side quest. I felt really bad because in playthrough three, there's the quest to get toys for the robot village. Oh, yeah. But, but I, I did that at the same time as doing the main quest, so I couldn't ever turn it in. Uh, and I felt really bad afterwards. Oh no. <laughs> uh, there, there's one where you can find a a woman with amnesia. She's like a yes. Oh, I did not finish that one. That one seems particularly plot. Yes. Uh, so probably what end with that is. Uh, you ha- continue. You find out that uh, she is probably the one who killed her friend. 
Okay. Yeah, I think the reason I didn't do that one is because there's one picture in the desert. Yeah. And there is an invisible wall, and I was like, I can't. The, it's uh, you, there's an alternate path I guess to get to it, but like yeah, if you he, just if you just beeline straight yeah. to it, there's a invisible wall. There's blocks. You like if the, the storm picks up and you don't move, it looks like you're progressing, but you just don't go anywhere. Yeah, a wall, and I know what you're. Me- I gave I, up on it. I know what you're saying because I hit the exact same thing and I just had to like follow follow the wall until it let me like go further. I eventually just uh, I ended up just kind of stumbling onto it. Like you can go underground. Oh yeah. really? <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. You find out at the end of the quest that, like, she killed her friend, and also she is a special type called an E. That yeah, that was that been a big assassin yeah, big off there. type of android. And when you uh, fi- like, she reveals that she has wiped her memory like so many times that she just really can't. She can barely kind of function anymore. Yeah, that's kind of like your first indication that like Yorha is pretty fucked up. Uh, and well, I mean, you get that you get that first inclination when you do the um in playthrough A the uh, chasing the down the oh like, rogue right units. the deserters. Yeah, that one was like the first one. I was like, man, no, I'm 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 a mo- I'm fucked up. <laughs> I'm doing bad things. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty rough. But after you finish the uh, amnesia one. Uh, 9S goes to, uh, says to 2B like oh man I didn't even know there was a type E and you know android and uh, 2B goes some things are better left unknown it's like and like I saw that I'm like <laughs> which is oh funny. man fuck which is weird because I'm bringing this up in the opening uh, introduction of the game uh, there actually is an E unit with you yeah and L- LB was which deserting so I think that they were sending her after her yeah, yeah, okay, and there's, yeah. there's actually a quest associated with her where, like, you go back to her body to, like... Yeah, uh, way back to the intro, the uh, factory area. Yeah, to get, like, her data, and then you bring it back to the other android sitting at the base who, like, wanted to know what happened to her. And when, like, if you tell her the truth that, yeah, she was going to abandon, she's like... That's what I did, too. She, like, w- she, like disowns her friend... <laughs> Well, she says she always did not like her because apparently her friend was was mean to her or something like that. But I'm curious now what she says if you don't tell her the truth. Yeah, I, there, there's like a lot of stuff like that where, like, being honest or like learning more really only serves to hurt people. Uh, the, the wandering uh, couple was also another one of those. Yeah, the wandering couple where you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, like, this dude is just constantly wiping his girlfriend's mind until... I thought it was the other way around. Okay, may- maybe I do have it the other way. Maybe I did forget the proper order. But, like, one of the two is, like, constantly wiping the other one's mind until, like they get the personality they want out of them. They're like, well, I guess this time we'll go for, like, a like combat model, like, so we can really... Yeah, and it's... Oh, God, it's so screwed up. And, like, there's a point like, where it's like, okay, we need to, like, we need to go back to this. You need to, like, wipe all of my, like, both of our minds. And you, like, wipe the guy's mind, and she's like, okay, thanks! Like, yeah. no, I don't need it. I'm, I'm just, you know, gonna work on him again. Yeah, which kind of brings me to, like, 
And, and I want to and I want to touch on this now, even though like I'm skipping a bunch of plot points, uh, because I I kind of want to start talking about what I think is sort of the main like theme that this game is kind of hitting on. But uh, the in Route C, where all the machines get annihilated, where Pascal's village just gets destroyed. Um, is in one of, like, the most heartbreaking moments in the entire game. Like, where uh, Pascal abandons his principles of pacifism to, like, put his consciousness inside of one of the gargantuan robots and yeah, defend that was... them from an army. Yeah, it was one of the cooler moments in the game and also one like really sad because I figured that would end up with Pascal being like infected by the virus or something. Yeah. Like, I was waiting for that to happen. But no, instead of Pascal being infected, like you come back to the village and all the children are so terrified and sure that they're going to get eaten alive by the other robots that they kill themselves rather than suffer through that. And you have this like really rough moment where Pascal is like, I thought that teaching them all my beliefs and giving them knowledge would help them, and instead it killed them. And then Pascal asks you to either kill him or wipe his mind. Oh, God, that was uh, one of the hardest choices of the game. I killed him. You could also, um, I think... You could also just leave. Leave him, yeah. I I I walked away, so I think we we all did something separate, which is great. (laughs) Different. And if you come back to the village, Pascal will be just a shop owner and have, like, no recollection of anything, and you can... And people, like, say, this is pretty messed up, but you can sell Pascal, like, all the, like, parts of children and all that you got from the earlier uh, part of the mission. Like, all the cores you've collected, you just sell them to Pascal. Uh, and also, he sells yeah. and, uh, the machine head fists. Oh, from so the, he okay. is using the bodies of his villagers too. Yeah, like yeah, because he's he's just cleaning up. I think he's something about cleaning up junk yeah. when you're there. Yeah. Uh, if you walk away, it's this literally like maybe like just like it like it it physically affected me <laughs> in a way a game really has never had. Which is... Yeah, because Pascal, like, really makes you feel guilty. What happens is you walk away and... uh, Like, the way I was kind of wanted to say it was, like, listen. This world we're in sucks sometimes. And even if you do try to do what you think is the best, it can still end up going bad. But we just have to learn from that and grow from it and move on. That was my belief. That was my thought process behind this. And as I walk away, uh, as you, like, exit the door, Pascal remains there among the bodies of his, you know, people. And goes, like, even you abandoned me. I didn't know you could be so cruel. And then the door shuts. And that's the last you see of Pascal. And I was like, oh! I was kind of role-playing A2 at that moment. And, like, I figured, like, if A2 were to make this choice, she would 100% kill. Because that's just who A2 is. Um, She's just, like, fucking burn it all down. Like, none of this shit shit matters. (laughs) Um... But like it, it kind of that kind of brings me to 
sort of one of the main things that this game kind of like uh, talks about, which is um, I feel like in a lot of games where robots and androids and other forms of AI like gain human-like thought processes and sentience, um, the question is, the question that the game poses is, are these things alive? Are these things, can, could these things be considered human? What rights do they have? Um, whereas I feel like in Nier Automata, not only are they not really concerned with whether or not the machines or the androids count as human, uh, but I'd almost, I'd almost argue that the game pretty explicitly says that no, they're not human, because being human implies a set of like shared like culture and things and like ingrained activities that humans do that serve no purpose to a machine or an android life form that they could never possibly understand because they are simply different things. But that doesn't mean that their sentience is less valuable than a human one. Um, but the main question I think is what is the benefit of sentience? Uh, because like constantly throughout the game, you're seeing all these ways in which sentience and self-awareness is harmful to these, to these uh, life forms. Uh, I was thinking of the part in the forest where they say, gosh, we are done. <laughs> God, yeah. I love that bit. <laughs> Cause it's so serious, and it's like all no, these robots like learning the emotions and loss, and they're like, "Man, we're dummies." Yeah, or like the scene uh, near the very beginning of the game, where you uh, where you like stumble upon this giant like robot community in the desert, and like they're play acting at being human, like rocking babies in a crib, or like trying to fuck each other and it's just like robots enacting all these human activities trying to figure out like what the purpose of those activities is because they're so desperate to find like a purpose for their creation and existence uh, that there's like okay if we can just like figure out how what humans did maybe we can figure out what our purpose is well it's also important to remember that you have no idea for the most part, which robots are actually acting of their own accord and which ones are acting according to the network, except yeah. for the village, basically. Because for all you know, the desert community is just acting according to some sort of script from the yep. terminal. Yeah. And you never know. You have no, like, There's no inclination as to which ones are just left to do their own thing and which ones are acting according to a plan, because the ones in the desert led to, uh, of course, the two of the best characters of the game, yeah. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are so yeah. good. The scene in Route B where uh, Eve is like, why did I have to put pants on? <laughs> it's art. It's art. And, and Adam is like, because humans uh, found nudity to be uncomfortable in public. The, the term he uses is problematic. Yeah, yeah. problematic. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Adam and Eve are really good villains. Um, I like them a lot more than I thought. I would because generally whenever I see uh, like pretty boy anime villains that 
like to sound very proper and bookish, it's generally a bad yeah. sign for the writing. Because they're bad at it. Yeah. Like, they're trying to be deep and philosophical, but when you in playthrough 2, you understand that, like, it's all very shallow. Like, they have no idea what they're doing. Like, um, it's played for laughs, but Eve asks why he's named that, because he's not female, so he's... So it's... It, you get to understand that, like, they're trying to be biblical, but they have no idea how to. Yeah. And, like... That's another thing where, like, in in the near the ending of Route A, where Adam where Adam fights to B, like Adam's really only doing it because like he wants to. He thinks that like if he can understand mortality, uh, and the fear of death, that maybe that will spark something. That maybe then he'll be like, okay, maybe that will make me human. Um, and then that just leads to even more suffering. Yeah, um, both for 2B and 9S, but also for his brother. Uh, and so, like, all this searching for, like, this mystical, like, humanity just leaves them... It just leaves everybody feeling bad. <laughs> to, to talk about it not in a plot way, but just in a kind of gameplay way, I thought that uh, the fight with Adam was very cool because you had the mix of all of the uh, Yorha androids and also the, like, the bodies of the androids from like other players yeah and i thought that yeah, intermingling of each other was really cool and like helped set that scene way better yeah yeah and that scene in route b is also where you get the um surprisingly important piece of dialogue that adam gives to 9s yes uh, which is something i bring up you want to uh four letter word her don't you in regards to 2b yeah, which you're supposed to believe it means is fuck, but it's yeah, probably because act- like yeah, because of- because like all the androids were made deliberately sexy. <laughs> uh, but actually, it ends up being kill, as you later find out. But never explicitly think- find out. But it's pretty obvious by the end of that game. I think you figured out. Yeah, yeah, it's very heavily implied. Um, I think getting back to this whole, like, self-awareness thing, what I found really interesting was that I was expecting, because, like, in both Drakengard 1 and Nier, um, sort of the, the message was that, like, humans are dumb and self-centered, and we simply lack the capability of, like understanding each other and unifying at a level that will allow us not to destroy each other in the end. Um, like it, it, we're simply incapable of it. Like every ending of Drakengard one is a bad ending. Every ending of near is a bad ending because no matter what you do, humanity is going to go extinct and it's all because of your actions. Uh, and so I was kind of expecting a similar bent to Nier Automata, where it's like self-awareness will only lead to suffering. Um, but in the end, like, Root E really surprised me because I feel like it turned... Because I feel like it, it very much answered the question, like, what is the purpose of self-awareness with a surprising answer? Uh, and that is like 
sentimentality. <laughs> like, like that, because like without self awareness, like you don't understand consciousness. Like without understanding consciousness, you can't understand empathy. And without understanding empathy, you can't get attached to people. And if you can't get attached to people, the scene where your pod, I think 42, right? Yeah, 42 is kind of the best characters. They're they're incredibly good in the third half of the the third part of the game. They are then like they're funny character. 42 is especially funny for like the first a two and 42 are. Really oh, good. they're so good together. But like, forty-two yeah. has some okay lines at the first, like you know, two-thirds. Uh, just because like some of the advice uh, he gives to B is just ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, yeah, A two and forty-two are so great. And as the, he develops, I guess he. I don't know. <laughs> robots yeah i'm not i'm not sure if the pods are ever explicitly gendered yeah Uh, as they get more and more uh personality and feelings it becomes they become way more interesting characters yeah and i think that's very much deliberate because like that's the only like them developing emotions and attachment to their androids are the is the only thing that gives the game a, a hopeful happy ending um, because it's what gives uh, Pod 4-2 the will and the power to defy the cycle and its programming um, and to defy Yoko Taro himself uh, as kind of like portrayed by the credit sequence <laughs> that you are literally fighting everyone who made the game to get a happy ending because not because it makes sense narratively or there's any justification for it but because you want it because you care yeah it's um, you're fighting against the actual will of the developers in a way because i mean you're really not but in a in, in a way because you're preventing the game from ending by destroying the credits yeah and like that is way more powerful than i expected it to be, be and like it, I felt it was, like, really powerful for me, specifically knowing what I do about how Yoko Taro ends his games and, like, the the way those games play out. And, like... Like, in a normal Yoko Taro game, ending D would be the end. Yeah, like, shit he, sucks. He mentions, though, uh, this is some of his philosophy, he has a difficult time um, with the video game logic of player A has killed, like, you know, countless nameless people to get to the end, he does not deserve a good ending in that way. And I guess you can yeah. read into that when he thinks of the robots in, in near, but, <laughs> but, um, that's, that's his philosophy behind the, usually the bad endings. Cause he, I'm not quite sure myself. I heard that in dragon guard, the, he made the main cast, not great people because of that. Yeah. Like Kaim is very explicitly a terrible person. Uh, zero is also explicitly a terrible, terrible person in dragon guard three. Um, Near himself is not portrayed as a terrible person, um, but his actions are portrayed as rash and born from uh, sort of narrow-mindedness and ignorance. Is there a like parallel between that and 9S in Part 3? Oh, very much so. Like, when, 
with 9S saying, oh, don't worry about it. Like, they're just robots. They they don't think for themselves. Like, that is very much in line with how Nier treats Shades in the in the first Nier. Like, not realizing that Shades are humans. Just in a different form. Um, and, like, Nier also makes you feel bad about it in... Uh, in playthrough two, much like Automata does in playthrough B, where you can understand what the shades are saying when you go through the game again, and you can hear them like plead for their lives. And in one specific instance, like you are literally killing babies. Well, also playthrough three, when you learn that the uh, Yorha units are actually literally are machine life forms, basically because they're where their core, uh, black box comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll say that ending B, like, I mean, like root B makes nine S look way colder. Yeah, yeah, and that is nine S in that way is similar to Kaine's role in the second playthrough of Nier, um, because Kaine, for those who haven't played the original Nier, is kind of your companion character who is a uh, hermaphrodite. Uh, and her whole deal is that she is super violent, um, kind of like Jackass is, uh, and she just fucking loves killing shades. Uh, but also, she herself has a shade inside her who is a serial killer. Uh, so because of that, she is able to understand what shades say. Uh, and so in playthrough two, you find out that she knows exactly what you're doing. But she chooses not to tell you. Uh, which is very similar to what 9S is doing. Where, like, he's seeing that, like, there is more of these machines, but just chooses not to make it clear to 2B. Who is kind of, like, already having some doubts. Well, 2B's having enough doubts about a lot of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it's, it's just super surprising to me to not only see like that kind of ending and ending e but also just the fact that it is delivered in such a way that it's portrayed as the player themselves defying yoko taro and that being a legitimate thing to do um and that being okay and that being almost like sort of like what the power of sentiment can achieve that like it can make you so attached to these characters that you will defy the gods themselves to, you know, keep them alive. I'll say, I like the most I've ever felt like a shonen anime protagonist. Yeah, <laughs> uh, is the ending of Near uh, Automata and the ending of Undertale. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, both of them those... do very similar things. Yeah, there's some parallels there. Yeah, so similar that I almost wonder if he had had experience with undertale um it wouldn't surprise me yeah especially his love of bullet hells yeah yeah, yeah. but that that predates undertale by like five years near one had a lot of that element in it into it the uh, I'm, I'm just saying oh yeah loved... the bullet hell di- did but like the the specific instance of it in near automata feels like just the way ending e plays out feels extremely similar i it's so kind of was corny, but I just so love like you're halfway through the credits, and like the 
pods start talking and they're like, okay, we can, let's go back to the beginning. And you just, you know, flash to the beginning of the credits and all of a sudden you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing with the, the other players popping up, like yeah, that, their quotes. That gets back into the whole sentimentality thing of it. it I think that was important. A really important yeah. part of the other uh, end credits, but also uh, the soundtrack, which we probably can talk about all on its own. Um, at that point, you're getting um, all three, I think it's three languages of that song. It's, yeah. it, it swaps and, it swaps between all three languages at one point. Then the, towards the end, you get all three at the same time. I think. Yeah, and also you get that giant chorus. Yeah. It's really like yeah, we haven't talked about it nearly enough for how great it is, but the music in this game is just so fantastic. Yeah, and like that's true of all Yoko Taro games. They've all tried to do something like unique. Um, in Dragon Guard One, it was very, it was a very like dirty industrial soundtrack. Like it's not fun to listen to, but it fits that game extremely well because Dragon Guard is not meant to be like. It's not meant to be a power fantasy. It's meant to be. It's meant to be ugly. Kind of like the uh, amusement um, park theme. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even even more. Like it's not unpleasant, but it's it's not like kind of good. Like, like the, you get a sense of wrongness with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that sort of sense of wrongness. But like, there's barely even a melody to the songs in Dra- to some of the songs in Dragon Guard One. Like it's industrial noises. Like um. Oh, you mean like actual, like literal industrial machinery? Uh, yeah, like occasionally. Um, and then in dra- and then in near you have like this sort of more. It's a very like sort of a very more a more traditional fantasy one, but like often bombastic and like again very. It shifts between bombastic and understated at different points, like very well. Like I, and it's referenced in *Near Automata*. Like there are a couple themes that come straight out of there. Uh, for example, um, *Kane Sacrifice*, uh, which plays when you find um, the uh, when Emil evidence. shows you his house. Yeah, yeah, his house. Um, well, not his house. The house of. Uh... Cain that he has brought yeah yeah that's yeah Kaine's house which is now like underground somehow <laughs> yeah uh, don't, just, don't worry about it don't worry about and, it and just filled with lunar tears which are her favorite flower um uh yeah you can find uh, a meal's house even further underground but that's yeah. actually hard to uh, I actually never did that uh side quest that's something i'll need to do when i yeah. eventually create a new a fresh save file yeah so you've, yes, after, I, think, I think all three of us deleting mine i think all yeah, three of us no. did that uh from that you can uh get a first you get an emil mask uh which unfortunately like isn't just the full yoko taru like head mask oh that's uh, unfortunate like it's a like just like a face mask and uh you kind of wear it to the side yeah it's also where uh, you f- you can fight the uh secret the secret meal fight there yeah well so if you go uh if you talk to him after you steal that and like there's various explicit like hey you're not like 
getting this or, you know, unlocking, like, a treasure chest. Like, you are stealing this from this man's house. <laughs> like, would you still like to do it? And, like, I was like, yeah, sure, I want an Emil mask. <laughs> uh, and then if you go back and get, get the Emil head, which is a weapon, uh, and then you will have to be, you'll be forced to fight uh, Emil. As in, since you're the hack, you have to play as 9S, I think you can't actually hack him, right? No. Because he's not... You have to life. hack to get the Emil head, but yeah, you have to... You can't hack Emil. Yeah, so you gotta fight him, like, severely uh, handicapped. Yeah, and I think he has, which, like, a 99 level. Yeah, like, he's... I thought it was just neat, those little details. Like, he's not a robot, so you can't hack him. Like, he's probably the only yeah. enemy in the game you cannot hack. He is, however, an artificial life form. Uh, because, like, in... Like, the reason he's in that body and looks like that is because he used to be a human. Or... I should say he was a replicant, so like a human shell kind of, um, and like his whole deal in his in that form was that uh, he always wore, he constantly wore a blindfold because if he looked at something that it would instantly turn to stone. And later on in the game, uh, he's actually uh, he is removed from his body and placed inside an inside an artificial weapon uh and that's how he gets that body that is like crazy powerful and eternal i'm not good enough to fight the aliens off <laughs> the penis aliens Just, that it is the that's what the weirdest thing is how little of a role they actually play like in the main story like you never really talk about them yeah like you like shockingly early on Adam and Eve like just tell you like yeah they're dead now we killed them like, I mean it's stress the whole point that both sides have like no reason to do what they're doing yeah uh yeah no I, I also I need to talk about how great Emile's store song is oh yeah it's wonderful <laughs> every day's a sale every day's every a sale a win <laughs> You'll cry all night. Yeah. It's just a version of the theme song, his theme song from the first Nier game. Yep. Yeah, it is. Uh, oh, which reminds me, I, I sort of got on this tangent because of the soundtrack, but like, the uh, I want to talk briefly about Drakengard 3's soundtrack because um, the main boss fights in this game, in Drakengard 3, are against these uh, girls called Intoners, who are basically gods. Uh, and they use like the power their powers of song to like summon uh, angels called watchers, which like in Drakengard one were the things that the gods sent to basically kill all humans and purge the world. Uh, and in Drakengard three, Intoners just use them as servants. Uh, and what's cool about that is that the boss songs in that game would transition from an from an intoner like screaming out and that scream would become part of the uh, part of the song uh and near automata incorporates part of that like that idea at times um i'm specifically thinking of a couple instances both involving robots actually uh the first one when you start uh uh, bef right before you fight Adam and Eve when you're sorry right before you fight Adam when you're fighting the like 
ton, infinite wave of robots and they start chanting this cannot continue and that transitions directly into the fight song uh, okay. and then also again during the become as gods segment where yeah. that chant as well transitions directly into the theme song of that area Man, also, the Become as yeah. God stuff is so Yeah, can we touch on wild. how messed up that is? Like not even oh, God, not even like the so um, I didn't realize you could fight the uh, the head priest like a boss type character at some point. Apparently you can fight him at some at some junction. Oh really? I, yeah. I can't remember if I did or not. Because he's got a name and everything. I didn't realize you could fight him. Uh, but the weird part about that that whole scene was not like the actual chase. It was Afterwards, you're like you're out of immediate danger, and you're just watching them like jump into the uh this, the molten like metal slag. Yeah. As they, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this yeah, just a... committing ritual suicide. Like you're in the middle of like basically a cult that has gone bad. Um, actually, this is a question I have. Um, since you've played near, you might know who they're referring to, but apparently, a lot of the machine god stuff was from a character called was a beepy or boopy. Oh, yeah, okay, so in the original Nier, um, you meet a couple replicants. Um, well, spe- specifically you meet this one replicant who tells you his brother was killed by a robot. Um, and, like, you go into uh, this uh, sort of machine area, this factory area, uh, to like you fight a bu- fight fight through a bunch of machines and then kill this bigger robot uh, who is teamed up with this like shade child uh, and you find out in the second playthrough that actually the machine didn't kill his brother. What happened was the machine was trying to like uh, uh, was trying to like help the kid and the kid ends up like knocking down some paneling and is just crushed to death like the machine didn't do anything um and you also find out that the shade and the machine got together because they were both lonely uh because the shade the child shade's parents were killed uh and so like they teamed up together and became friends and learned the meaning of friendship and then you come in and then murder them. Uh, and so that that character, um, I, be- I believe Beep Boop is the robot that uh, you kill in the factory as the boss battle in Nier. Yeah, because there was people saying that like that's whole, the whole religious aspect of the robots somehow goes back to that character from Nier. Yeah, like including including the. Um, uh, gosh, the uh, uh, the factory in Nier Automata, uh, the design of it looks very sim, like the whole aesthetics of it look extremely similar to the factory in uh, Nier. Uh, it's never explicitly stated it's a, it's the same thing, um, unlike say the desert area in Nier Automata, which is directly linked to uh, the desert area of the original Nier. Yeah, they have the same mask and same clothes and everything. Yeah, and like you find, mm. you find like this, you find a bunch of like tablets that are that were that are references to like their insane society where they've created thousands and thousands of laws. Uh, one very quick about the uh, 
the cult. I, I did really like that there were just uh, other robots who were kind of hiding out and like, we just wanted to worship, you know, the god and like we are not involved in this. Yeah, like yeah. it's not a unified thing. Also, yeah, like, organized, please re- save us. They get organized like, real I, fast. Like right after Adam goes down, like they're they're already worshiping. I like I might honestly like that it was not like a like end. You know, like oh, here is why religion is evil. It was more like people can use it wrong. <laughs> yeah, like if 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 people when people get desperate enough, like they will sometimes do really terrible things. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I mean, that's the whole. I mean, the whole, uh, the whole big point of the game is just giving meaning to these two. I guess you'll say races or something. These two robot types that have lost their meaning. They have no real purpose anymore. I guess you can yeah. argue that the androids have some purpose because they do have. Well, hypothetically, there is human DNA, uh, a genome of some type, on the uh, the moon because there's a whole segment of the of two other very sad characters, uh, Devila and Popula. Who, oh yeah. Who put that? Who I believe their whole their whole little spiel was that they traveled far to a launch site to put the genome on the moon. So I'm not sure how much of the moon stuff is true, but I believe that the actual like human genetic information is still up there. So they do have some sort of like hope. Yeah. Uh, I, assuming, I, think, uh, I think there's uh, something assuming up there. assuming they've scrubbed all the magic dust that that kills everyone off of out of the earth already. <laughs> I read about that. Oh, what's it called? The white. Uh, it's some disease. The white chlorination syndrome chlorination. that's like, caused by meso particles. Yeah, and like it's like a god offering you servitude or something. Yeah, because so, you... so like the idea is that like the um, the queen grotesquerie that you kill at an ending. Wait, I think either before, D or E of yeah. Before we get into detail, just to make sure here. Um, Technically, the the universe of Nier isn't even in the same universe as Drakengard, because like some weird stuff happens in Drakengard so, where you go into the world of Nier, which is, I guess, very similar to like Earth. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an alternate it's an alternate dimension, basically. Like I tried um, explaining this to people, and he's like, "Okay, sit down. <laughs> it's gonna take a second. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting though is that if, if I remember if I remember correctly, um, Drakengard's Earth actually, the continents look very similar to what Earth has, so it's more like they're parallel realities um, that are like that can be interconnected, uh, or at least that the Watchers can access both of them. Uh, but yeah, like the the Queen gro- the Queen the Queen grotesquerie that looks extremely similar for, uh, to what uh, the Intoners turn into. Um, in the final boss battle of Drakengard three, basically this, this, uh, giant was giant stone woman, uh, like complete, completely uh, naked, but featureless basically. Um, like you, like it transports Kaim and Angelus, uh, the protagonists of Drakengard to Tokyo. And then they have a song battle. Um, and yeah, because like, from what I understand, like the like Nier was born out of like a joke ending to Drakengard, and Dra- yeah. and Nier Atada was born out of a joke ending to Nier. So the next Nier will be the result of something well, from eating well, bad fish. 
Well, Nier Automata could really come from any of the endings of Nier, uh, I think. Like, it doesn't explicitly have to be one of them, because ultimately, uh, none of the endings of Nier, like, specifically influence Nier Automata. From what I've heard, like, there was a, like, CD that was released in Japan of Nier, where they had a joke ending where an aliens invaded. Oh, okay. Th- that's not an... See, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure about the origin of the space war. That is a that is a thing that came out. There's a lot like, of separate from the actual game. There's a lot there, of there's uh, a lot of secondary material. There is a lot of ancillary material for like Drakengard, Drakengard Three, Near, like uh, like there's the, the, like, there's a the Yorha fucking, play. There's a fucking stage play as a prequel to Near Because I know ridiculous. I know one of the plays or something explained that Nine S technically the S units cannot fight. They're not programmed to that, and somehow 9S taught himself to do that. That's why he can only use yeah. one set of weapons, because he only knows how to do that, which he shouldn't be able to do in the first place. Uh, yeah, also, like, the uh, physical version of the CD includes, like, messages about 9S, uh, I think, on the arc. Oh, yeah, From so... The ending? Yeah. So, so, at least, so, Route C then is canon. So it's like, I assume the canon would be Root C uh, leads then into Root E. Yeah, so it had like to there be... Is a, there is a copy of 9S's consciousness on the arc. Yeah, it's C has to be canon because I believe in D, 9S does get to survive. Uh, although you can say no in C. Yeah, yeah but he just can. But he just stays behind. He doesn't die, necessarily. Yeah. But, um... Uh... However, the, who did the, you choose for the first time, like the first playthrough? I chose A2 first. A2. A2. <laughs> I just like A2 more. Yes! I can't help myself. Well, like, to me, like, 9S was the villain at that point. Yeah. People have a... I, we'll get into this I in a super second. Love, I super love how they frame... Just the cinematography of how they frame that choice. Yeah. Where, like, the camera uh, pulls back to show them, like, Final Destination in Smash Brothers style. Like, Yes. Uh, I always thought, because, like, you had, uh, like, 9S, basically, since he uh, woke up, ha- just had the uh, bandana around his eyes. So I was pretty sure that by the end of that, his it would come off and he would just have red eyes. Yeah. Which it kind of did, but not in exactly the way I was thinking. Yeah. Uh... But, yeah, like, by the end, he's like, well, I'm just going to kill everyone because it doesn't matter. None yeah. of this matters. Well, he always, had, he always had a... He always... He did think that A2 killed 2B, and never really got yeah. an explanation for that, which may be obvious, but, you know, Nias wasn't really in a good spot at that point. Yeah. Yeah, like, that, that wasn't... I Also, I just want to say, because I really love how the finale of Route C, Route C ends, where you're, like... Switching between the two of them at rapid speed. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. We have. I didn't realize you were fighting like two bosses. I thought you were fighting the same boss. And he was flying between the two characters. It wasn't until yeah. they combined that you actually realized it's one. It's two different units. That was and then, super like, rad. finally, like those two, like, combined their forces together. And also, they, it, was, it was smart because they had nine S doing the the shoot 'em up sort of thing. So it was just always one cohesive unit and not just um, A2 fighting and then you go to 9S it's like you know 5,000 hacking instances yeah yeah 
Uh, uh, oh yeah. Um, oh god, I'm trying to remember. Shit, what was I just about to say? Now I can't remember. Damn it. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'll, I'm sure I'll think uh, of it later. I'll, I'll do it. I will say, because um, the ending, obviously, ending C has to be canonical because uh, canonical because they both die. That's sort of the triggers the end of Yorha thing. But it also means that Adam and Eve are still alive, which is makes it extra canon in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll say with ending C, something I really enjoyed. And this may be mate. This is like just on a technical level, and this may sound a little sick. I really love the animation of 9S when he has gotten stabbed and is slipping on his own blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Like, it just feels, like, so weak and so, like, pathetic. Yeah. That was the one thing. Um, oh, and, oh and also... dude, I remember what I was going to say. This So, you can hack A2. Oh, yes! And what yes. I didn't realize, because I didn't hack A2 enough, but if you hack yeah, her you hack, three yes. times... Yep, and, I have screenshots of that. Yeah, and you get to the end of the hacking sequence. Like the camera pulls out, out yeah, to it's show, entire menu to show that the me- to show the menu screen. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I just kept hacking her over and over again. Eventually, you get to one very very long hacking sequence. Like it's, I had to do it twice because I died the first time, and you, it you get a whole endless like like about forty or so enemy units you got to kill, and then it starts to zoom out while you're dodging stuff. And it doesn't go away until you're actually in the menu itself, and it's it's pretty cool. It was probably one of the better parts of the uh, whole hacking uh, mini game. Yeah, and it, it yeah, I, it's I, just sort of I, like I, a re- like referencing back to that bit in uh, Route A, and then that's called back in Route B, where Nine S is like, "I'm going to check your systems now." You know, after they do the black oh, yeah, that's, that's, side. that's still one of my favorite parts of the game. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I. That's that like, one was it's like, can you turn the bad. volume up, please? Yeah, <laughs> that one was bad for me because it took really long. Because um, I know I'm pretty sure uh, Dustin knows that um, the PC version has a weirdness with the resolution. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it will it will downscale you to like the next level beneath your current resolution you pick, then up then like blow it up to that resol- to the proper resolution, but it'll be still be the lower one. It's yeah, just blown up. It's super weird. So my so when. He, He's talking about my stuff for the replay. It's me going through my resolution, trying to fix that over and over. <laughs> for me, uh, it was uh, when I started that segment. Like I had to let the dogs out, uh, and like I was just outside yeah. for five minutes with my dogs, letting them go to the bathroom. So I just had to wait for like seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, it actually has a cap. If you wait ten minutes, Nina says he he's running out of memory and shuts the tape off. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. The, I think the best part of that was when you were turning up the volume and his voice, his because he's talking to you, but it's just a text box. Yeah. And the game, the game isn't one hundred percent text, uh, as in one hundred percent voiced either. There's like you know, there's just text with no voice, so you assume it's just his text box. But then you turn the volume up, and his voice comes into play. Yeah, he's like, "Hello, are you hearing me? Uh, I guess I should say something. This is embarrassing." Uh. Something I want to say about Inning C, and someone pointed this out, and I was like, fuck. Uh, with Inning C, uh, 2B definitely kills 9S one last time. Oh, really? What's oh. that? Because it's her and the sword. Oh, oh yeah, right. yeah. Right. Yeah, I forgot about that. 
And he he can't get catch a break. No. None of, none of them can until the end. I see. I seem to remember you talking about in the thread like how two B when two B sees nine uh, S as uh, she's getting mercy killed. Yeah. Like she said something like, "Oh, nines." Yeah. Yep. She does that too with the um. Uh, there's a you can, if you a place I didn't do this, but uh, Ashley and I looked it up. There's a recording you can find on her flight suit when she the last time she flies out of the bunker and crash lands. That's addressed to him. I think she calls him nines there too. Yeah. Yeah, she ends it with nines because actually it's really yeah. sad because he had these funny moments with nine s like you know no one the fact that he goes like hey. He's that guy who has a cell, the nickname he made up himself that no one calls him. Yeah, it's like... And, like, everyone calls you this, though, and no one calls him. Of course, they play that back, but also the um, the affirmation thing, when people say one affirmation will be adequate. Oh, yeah. And then you're fighting 21-0, and as she's dying, she says that part, and, like, it just... The game really knows when to twist the knife. Uh, I, one of the biggest twist the knife moments was finding at the... Uh, Machine village when it's all in flames, uh, the big sister and little sister. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Oh, because that was one of my favorite subquests. I did do that subquest. That was actually. It, it's so Our... adorable. You get the nice ribbons, and it's all nice. And then oh, or like or like the kid who it's... locks himself in. Yeah, the, the yeah, started, yeah, the, 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 the hacking. Um, it's like oh, he the... probably just burned alive. Because like, back when I did that quest with the. Uh, why did the escort quest? I assumed that nine S and two B actually knew how humans reproduce, and they just were—it was just embarrassment. But now, knowing what I know about it, he might just have flat out not know. <laughs> yeah, the, the game is, and we've talked about this on the forum. Uh, it's really good at having lines that have multiple meanings. Yeah. yeah. Like the entire, if you listen to the lyrics again of "Weight of the World," it's a whole new meaning when you read it from Two B's perspective. Who's your favorite ship? Well, mine are obvious. Well, there's only one, like the bunker, basically. If that's technically a ship, uh... I mean, it's a space. <laughs> that's actually what I thought you said. I don't know uh, the Ark or the sh- uh, Ark times bunker. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, my favorite is 2B60. Yeah. That's really cute. And man, man, when 6 is talking to you about the flowers when she's on the bunker. I, that, I that's the that. one that hurt me the I most, prepped you for honestly. that. You did, but it, it didn't help. Like that? She's the intercom, too, when you're saving the bunker, isn't she? I can't remember. Yeah. Like, I believe she's uh, on the... She's I believe, on the... Yeah, I believe she's speaking to you as you escape. Because she's already infected at that point. It's kind of like just... Yeah. It's brutal. Uh, she, she's going... Like, if you did the flower side quest, then uh, she's talking about, like, thank you for the flowers. In, like, this, like, broken voice. Uh, and if oh, you did I, do yeah. that, uh, then it, she just talks about how... Uh, what you know, Like, what a good, like, friend you were. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the one that got me the most. Because, like... I didn't think I was going to have to kill her, and then they put her right in front of your way, and it's like, oh, I don't want to do this, though. <laughs> uh, like, people ship 
to be in 9S, which I totally get. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's basically canon. Uh... And, oh, 42 yeah, just, and 153? Yeah, 142, 153, of course. Yeah. I, also, I see uh, 9S and uh, 21 Yeah. I, I, what I about 9S and Adam? No one thinks of 9S and Adam? <laughs> like, from, from, from uh, I think, Ending D? Uh, yeah, I can, I can be into that. He fights on the ship, I mean. Yeah. I don't know if it's anything special if you don't take the invitation. I took the invite on the Ark. I yeah I did. Too. I kind of I I kind of shipped the um I'm not sure what you'd call I'm not sure exactly what you'd call this but I guess like the like the, the polyamorous nunchuck of like six six o two b two b nine s nine s six one no because it's like nine s in the middle there and then I don't know I'm not sure what shape that would take the poly I don't know square ship dna or something but yeah i'm thinking a helix yeah the 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 shipping helix but i I don't know i i feel like all of them are kind of encouraged at once yeah i mean it's it does have enough slack at the end i mean i think they intend for a certain pairing there but like you can't interpret it as not being legit because it's not explicitly said i mean i i feel Uh, I, i feel like though that because kind of Yoko Taro isn't like super explicit about stuff like that. I mean, uh, it was all very, uh, it was all pretty organic. It was you know not like because like a em- lot of games today are like, hey, look at this. Yeah, because like Emil was never really explicitly described as gay in Near, um, but there were plenty of hints to it, and like Yoko Taro was very adamant about. Emil just yeah canonically being gay, so I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily Yoko Taro being like, hmm yes draw your own conclusions, but more like he doesn't really want it to be like a super like expositiony like I am fucking so, these people. <laughs> so what you're saying is Emil and Eve. I mean yeah sure. <laughs> uh. That's the that's the two e ship. Actually, no. Emil's only love is near, and sails, near and sails. <laughs> uh, I think it's on a different I meaning guess... though, because the there's two nears, right, based on the the version, because they made near an older man in uh, North America. Yeah, they're mutually exclusive though. But so, but Emil is but, in but love me... with both of them. <laughs> it's just in one he's in love with a Bashonin, and then the other one he's in love with a gruff Gary Busey dad. But either way, it, I mean, who would it be? Uh, yeah, exactly. Emil's love no no knows no age boundaries. Emil was the one where people were like trying to explain it in the like the weirdest way possible of why it wasn't gay. Oh yeah, that that's fu- it, that's actually an explanation I hadn't heard. <laughs> Which is like I, w- when when you uh, I can't remember who posted that, but when that got posted of like oh yes, Emil was. Uh, possessed by a het presence. I was like, what? <laughs> I had definitely heard that beforehand, even before playing Nier Automata. That was like the people... only Nier theory I hadn't heard. <laughs> <laughs> was that because uh, I think 
one point Emil and his sister kind of fuse. Yeah, they they fuse together. Uh, that that had given him, uh, like, feminine leanings. <laughs> Which is ridiculous, because, like, his personality is exactly the same before he fuses with his sister anyway, so, like... Yeah, I think uh, so that got asked in an interview to uh, uh, Yoko Taro. Yoko Taro, and he was like, "What? No." I, th- I think he just may have responded like, "He's just gay." Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like six O and uh, Jackass are explicitly pretty gay. I I believe yeah. actually yeah. the um I think this is this is in like secondary material, but. I believe the S units are the first like male androids. Yeah. For Yorha anyway. Uh, I believe male ones in general are recent. Yeah, the S types are certainly the only male ones you see. Uh, I think for Yorha, yeah, but I think on the rep- the uh androids on in the resistance. Oh yeah. There's more, more of a Yeah, I'm not sure if that's both or just for simply for Yorha, but I know Yorha for a fact it's recent, but don't know about the other androids. Like I said, there's a lot of weird, like, other material out there with background info. Yeah, yeah. the Yorha unit is like a Yuri manga. <laughs> where it's like at an all girl school. I've definitely read a Yuri manga where it was a race. It is like a version of humanity where everyone is a girl. <laughs> uh, but then they are. I thought like, you said you. I thought you said he threw away uh, Why the Last Man. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. They're still separated into, uh, like, basically Butch and Fems. And... uh, Even even in the all-Yuri future, there is still Het. Yeah, and so you're not supposed to cross... You're not supposed to date within your, your... You know, your Butch or your Fems. But two butches fall in love. It was done by a someone who had done Yaoi only beforehand. So I think they just were, like, doing, like, the most roundabout way to get to that. Like, the kind of Yaoi, uh, like, kind of stereotypes. It's like Yaoi, but they both have breasts now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting, getting back on track here. Um, Yaoi. The... Um, yeah, but basically the, uh, it's recent for the, the S units. I'm not sure anything else, but there's, a, there's definitely a lot of, I'm actually trying to think of a, of like a, like guy, for the resistance anyway, a guy android and a woman android together in a relationship. I can't think of any, because. Uh, the wandering couple. Name. Yeah, wandering couple is one with that, yeah, as fucked up as I know, it is, um, it is a couple. The, the leader, um, was her name? Anemone? Anemone, yeah. She has her whole history with, um. A2 a little bit, actually, kind of also, but, like... Yeah. I believe she had someone else in her group that she was uh, grouped with. I really like the... We we briefly talked about Devil and Popola, but I kind of want to go back to them, because I really like yeah. how they're yes. in this... In Automata. I... And, like, their whole thing... Like, their whole thing works extremely well if you're like me and have played near and are like, yo, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Even as someone who could not, who had not played near, they feel like they come out of a different game. Yeah. Well, their story also works though. Like I, I mean, maybe it does help that I have like prior knowledge. I did know that there was those two, those two units overseeing that that city or whatever that near was part of. 
so and that things went bad so that helps but like they still stand they still work really well as characters yes yeah like even as someone who had not i'd even had done what uh you did Polly, where i looked at stuff from beforehand i just kind of went blind as possible uh and they still work really well um also because obviously there has to be some sort of uh higher chain of command of androids that aren't mentioned in the story someone who's actually you know putting together your and all this stuff yeah who are who are probably the real villains of the game honestly yes they're the ones who made your this way they also the, the fucked up thing they did to dev and pop like they not just gave them a sense of guilt they had to have constantly, but also that the I believe they also have the knowledge that they're the only units of their kind left. Yeah, I um, think it was like two for it was really messed up. Yeah, the, yeah. their whole backstory is just so fucked up. Yeah, because the whole idea is that like because humanity could no longer exist in its current form on Earth because the the white chlorination chlorination symbol sim, uh, syndrome was like killing them all. Uh, they had to like separate their souls from their bodies and place them in storage. Um, so in order to like have things around to like carry out the plan, they created a whole bunch of androids. And so like, yeah, there'd have to be observer androids and a whole chain of command to make sure like the whole plan was working out well. And yeah, like Devla and Popola in Nearest Village just totally screwed the pooch by by manipulating Near in such a way that they accidentally ruined everything. Yeah, it was also they there has to be a group also that like puts forth this like lie that you know humanity is still around because you figure you think at some point they figure I mean it's a big world so it'd be harder to figure out you know that way that they're Humanity's wiped out, but someone has to start setting that forward in motion like years, like thousands of years ago. So, but they're never mentioned at all. It's like the aliens, sort of, they just are in the background. Yeah. And it's interesting because it again ties to like the whole thing about self awareness leading to a search for purpose, in that like the androids develop the self awareness. And because of that, once the humans all went extinct, they had to find a new purpose and they just decided that their new purpose would be the same as the old purpose. <laughs> and they, they were just going to lie to everyone well, about it. That's the whole thing, though. The whole thrust of the game is you have two sides that want to become... They really want to replicate humans. Yeah. Which is interesting because yeah. even the androids yeah. don't... The androids don't want to replicate the aliens. They want to replicate humans. Mm. You mean the, the machines, you mean? Yeah, the machines. They don't, they don't want to be aliens. They want to be the... Uh, human so that's also an interesting thing but it's a sort of cold weird cold war to encourage new developments towards that goal yeah and like what makes that interesting is that like you start to wonder like then were the aliens even did even the aliens have a self-awareness like were they just similar to machines <laughs> in that they had or, or did they have like a hive mind sort of structure yeah where, like they didn't really I have free will either I imagine that some alien president got really bad ratings on that invasion and they just stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, look, we're ra we're completely wasting no... resources here. There's nothing worth taking. Because there's no reason why they'd be extinct entirely. They send invading forces over unless, like, I mean, you could 
say their planet was dying or something, they had to yeah. invade or say go extinct. But it's just that was always interesting to me because they're they're used as a reason to they're honestly they're not even used as a reason to wipe out humans. They're just there. It's I don't know. It's a really weird part because in other games that that'd be played up a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, the the aliens would be a much bigger deal, but no, yeah. like they've like every time they, they refer to the aliens, it's almost like, like everyone's like, yeah, no, they just sucked. They <laughs> the aliens somehow lost in a war against the extinct race. Well, it's because well, had, yeah. it's, it's well, because yeah. that extinct race developed magic, like literal magic. And also, you know, Emil replicating himself infin- infinitely, pretty much. Yeah, like, yeah. that's... Yeah. And, like, Re- Emil was already just this super powerful being. Um, like, in... In Nier... In the original Nier, he actually is responsible responsible for defeating Devola and Popola by, like, sucking them into a black hole of his own creation. I'm not sure if you've gotten an ending why. It's if you... The Emil quest, if you fail to kill him before the timer runs out, you get a little message saying that his he explodes and basically the whole planet is just like atomized. Yeah. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> Emil's ludicrously powerful. Uh I I uh, got a few of the joke endings, but the only one I only got one on accident. Which was just at the beginning oh, really? of uh Route B. If you just like take a left at the very beginning, it's just like Nine S ran away. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like I'm gonna yeah. study. I don't care about killing. I'm gonna study yeah. uh, robots now. Yeah, there's a lot of endings where if you just leave, it's just like and they ran away at the end. Yeah, uh, I think there's one where you two B runs off to go fishing and <laughs> never heard from again. Um, there's uh, there is one where. If, I think it's when you're A2 and Pascal's at the, the city and you can she offers, she says, okay, you know what, you can kill me if you want. And if you accept, that's actually a bad ending. Yeah, really? I was wondering what was going to happen yeah. if you kill Oh, right, because... yeah, you, you, you can actually get a bad ending if you yeah. murder the robots in the village. Yeah, the if you go, because we go to the, I think when you leave the resistance camp for the first time as A2, you get she, uh, Pascal's there and off says, okay, fine, you know what? Because A2 wants to just, you know, kill all robots and Pascal's like, you know what, fine, if you want to, go ahead. And of course, you spare her and the thing continues, but if you kill her or kill him, the uh, you get one of the bad endings. And that brings us to the the worst bad ending, which is ending P, the corruption ending. Oh, God, that... Where, yep, yep. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so I actually didn't get ending P because I just let myself die. Oh, you you died. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, did you have that uh, that ending with the virus corruption? No, I can't actually remember what that. I didn't. I didn't even try to get it. I. No, neither did I. Trust me. I. I what? Ha- what do you do to get it? Um, you let your corruption hit 100 percent before getting to the point. Oh. Um, okay. So that section's really bad because yeah. there's the, the pit there caused by I think Engels when he first lands there or something. Like, or yeah, or the alien. Sh- uh, Shipping all that with Adam and Eve, but it's very easy to get knocked into that pit. And I've yeah, heard like so get knocked many people into that pit, get knocked into that pit. Yeah, that's what. If you get knocked into that pit, time. you're done. Um, like it, you can. The problem is is not so much that it's hard to get out; it's that two B will randomly lose the ability to jump. 
Mm-hmm. And the only way to get out is to make a jump, and you're being chased by enemies and can't fight back. And eventually, at a high enough corruption, you just flat out lose the ability to jump. So you're just sitting there, getting corrupted. And at a high enough, you can die. Ashley died for realsies. And at, I, I figured that it was intentional to get fully corrupted. So I was like, okay, I'll just try to survive. And at some point, of your corruption, you you get like just super auto healing. Like you just heal and heal and heal, and you can't like it's very hard to die. Because I was getting, like, you know, knocked around by enemies at that point. So I said, so I figured, okay, clearly this has to be intentional, because I'm getting healed, like, you know, I can't die, so clearly this has to be intentional. So at, like, 90% of your whole screen just goes, like, berserk, it's all, like, gray and scrambled, and then finally at 100, it's your standard uh, bad ending, with the, with the, the fast. We did mention that also, bad endings, you get fast-forwarded credits. It's so good, it's so good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is, uh... I had to redo that segment like twice to find a, a safe, decent route. I, that is like really the only part of the game where I'm like, this doesn't work. Yeah. Like the, I, I get what I, they were going for. And I think that that could be a really cool thing. But so many people I know, me included, it didn't work for them. And like it just, and you have to like doing that scene twice, like e- even just twice kind of ruins it. Yeah, because, like, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, because, like, at, at first I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do, so I, like, started, like, because they drop you off at the flooded city. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, I'll start killing these things in my way, because I thought I had to do that. But you start, they start being unable to attack. Yeah. And like, okay. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll move on. And that was super frustrating, because by that time, my mobility had gone way down, so I just got... Yeah, because juggled around by enemies, unable to do literally anything for about a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, and you don't think I don't know personally. I was thinking like, okay, there's no way they can just corrupt to be after like all that. <laughs> this game, <laughs> this game loves to be mean to robots, apparently. Yeah, and androids, yeah, and then like you, yeah, and then like you have to. So, so first, the assumption you have to make is to just ignore the enemies and get far enough. That they'll tell you, like, oh, okay, you need to head out to an area that's where you can just be corrupted safely. And once you figure that out, you have to, once you get out of the sewers into the area near the pit, you have to know the map well enough to realize, like, where the safe path is, where you don't, where there aren't many enemies and you don't have to do, like, any jumping, really to get around because like say for example if you head to the right like you probably just can't get to your location that way like you kind of have you kind of have to go around the pit all the way on like your left so i managed to go to the right the time i did it just because i oh really like had a there was one jump i needed to make and i had like i just waited there and like avoided enemies and then jumped it when I like had like a brief like moment of uh, ability to do that, yeah, I just took the safest route possible. Where I was like, I know that this particular route will not require me to do any jumping, and if I get hit by enemies, I'm not going to get knocked into the pit. I, f- I, I would, uh, I feel like. Sorry, Polly, do you have anything you want to say? Yeah, I basically took a. I took the same route. I I got it the second time. I took the second route and basically put myself against the wall in a manner that if I got hit, I wouldn't fall into that pit again and basically just sprinted the second I could. 
After that, it's like easy as anything to just that one yeah. hit that. I feel like really if they you. had put that maybe like near the desert or anything like that, it would have like most of my problems with that sequence would have gone away. Yeah, if you had crash landed like at, at the desert, that'd be fine. Well, like there'd be no issues really. Just the fact that like you're right outside that pit and there are so many enemies in that pit and. If you, like, make a wrong move, you can fall all the way down, and then you're just fucked. Yeah. Like, I don't think that that was... Especially, like, trying to find my way out of that pit, like, I fell down, like, the ladder. Yes, I did that too. That area where you, like, go into the aliens, and, like, you just straight up can't climb the ladder. Yeah. Like, there's no way to get out. And, like, I thought that, like, okay, well, maybe they planned for this, maybe I'm supposed to be down here. Like maybe because yeah, yeah. like it's like okay well she wants a place okay. far away from the other android so she doesn't corrupt anyone else so like this seems logical like go inside the when, alien ship yeah when I died I went down the cave and then I looked at the map I was like okay it's not the cave so I tried climbing the ladder and you like I was I got out eventually but like you lose like I said you lose your ability to do anything after, every so often so like I had to sit there and wait to get the ability to use ladders again. Yeah, it's and really awful. It's it's just really miserable because you're sitting down there waiting to die and like you're not sure if you should... You don't want to die and find out that you have to do the whole thing all over again because it's intentional, but at the same time it takes forever to die that way. It's like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah it's such... It's, it's like From the majority of that game, I honestly don't think there's a lot of stuff I hate in it. I... Do not like that you have to start the prologue over again if you die. Um, like I said, the boss, I died twice to the final boss of the prologue. Oh, man. Because, um, and the, the rest of that area was not difficult for me. I had no problem with yeah. it at all. I can see that it's being just super The, the rough. final boss, because if, you don't know the, if you're not familiar with the dodging and how items work, you can die without auto-heals or without being able to use your many recoveries. Yeah. You just die, and it happened to me where I got... I, dodged the wrong direction and I got chained to hit into a, into death and got to do the whole thing over again. So it took me like about hour and a half yeah, that, to do the yeah, that's to do the intro. Yeah. That's, that tutorial's not, not short either. Like there's a lot of stuff in that tutorial. <laughs> and the worst part is like the, the that that boss you go to the next part of it at like half health. Yeah. So it was really frustrating. But yeah, I, thankfully I didn't die during that segment, so yeah. The the only like part I actually didn't like was the uh um god the corruption part. Though I did though I I was kicking myself. I kind of wish they telegraphed this better, but like I was going to like do some quests. Like I was trying to finish up Emil's quest during route A. Um and then like I I got the last lunar tier there. I'm like, okay, I got the last lunar tier in the flooded area. I was like, okay, sweet, I got this. Since I'm in the area, I'll go ahead and do this mission here. And then once I'm done with that, I'll like finish up Emil's quest. But like, Thanks. what they don't tell you is that once you start doing doing like the missile quest in the flooded area, that is that's it. straight up the point of no return. Yeah, like yeah, that things rapidly accelerate from there. The same thing happened to me too. I was like, okay, I'll just you know do the story part real quick. The game doesn't have a whole lot of opportunities for you to sit and like do stuff. Yeah. Like, you always feel like you have to go through the second part right away. Like, in in, the, in part C, I think, A2 needs, like, a filter. I don't know. For me, it just always feels like you have to go to the next part. It just feels like 
there's not a part where you're just like, okay, you just chill for a second and do things at your own leisure. Yeah, like even if you even when you get nine S back uh, during Route A, if you go to that elevator, like you, there just straight won't straight up won't be a prompt to activate it. Like you're just not allowed. Yeah, no, uh, I definitely wish that they were had telegraphed that in some way, even if it had break broken the immersion in some way, but they just don't care about that in other places. Yeah. Like, it, I would have, like, started that mission, like, hey, uh, you know, you're going to reach the, like, end game starts here. Yeah. Or at, yeah. Or at the very least, I wish they had, yep. like, when I tried to use the elevator, I wish they had put up, like, a prompt or something, or had 2B say, like, I, I don't have time to do this right now. Because, like, they don't give you a prompt that you're doing anything wrong so it just seemed like the quest was broken so i spent probably a good three hours searching google for like did i fuck up is my game glitched <laughs> like well the good news is that does the, the chapter select is like yeah uh, pretty good i think i think ending y is the only ending you can actually like lose miss forever once you finish that quest yeah uh, yeah, because it's the old, yeah, because it's the only ending that's that's tied to a side quest. So, yeah, I do love that when you. Uh, I don't think we even said what exactly happens at the end, like the final choice. Yeah, so the final choice is that you can, like, in the credit sequence, if you're having trouble, which you probably will, I, I think you once you get to Square Enix. Oh, Square Enix! I think it is at some point impossible. Yeah, it's, it feels we, like square, that. Yeah, the Square Enix Limited, to, you know, credit is is where the thing suddenly just ramps up and it just becomes impossible. Which makes me think and, like they must have seeded in some like randomly generated accounts as well. Because if it was just yeah. people who've deleted their data, then like that, how the hell would the first people have gotten like? Yeah, I, I did get some, uh, which is weird when the, when that sequence first happened. I thought I was getting messages from older characters, because my first the first message I got was from Nier. so I thought it was older characters talking to me. <laughs> I mean, also and like that I, might, I that named, might be I named my uh, account Kine, so <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking that maybe that's like a a stock, like the st stock messages are from older characters. Yeah. I'm not sure though. It's but also I possible that the developers, like the development team themselves, like put in their own like names and characters as well. Because like there, there has to be yeah. some, there have to be some preceded ones in order to make that, that well, thing. This, yeah. Um. Also, though, I'm not sure what happens if you don't have internet connected. Oh, that's a good question. I heard you can't do it. Huh. I've heard you actually cannot. You doesn't doesn't like uh the options that come up if you have no internet uh, connected, but I'm not quite sure. Interesting. Yeah, I, I would... Because eventually, like, I feel bad for people who come to this way late. <laughs> oh, God, terrible. Like, you get to the end of the, you get to the, end of the game, it's like, yep, they're dead. <laughs> and they, 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 they delete the URI data at just the end. Yeah. I, I, so I feel like, I hope at least that there are some, like, preceded ones that if... You know there are there are no, no people left. You could still get that ending, to kind of. I'm sure they plan for that. Yeah. Also, like I also I don't think that when, I mean maybe maybe I'm giving I'm thinking Yokotaro is a little too lenient, but I I don't think when uh, 
you get hit that an actual like account is being deleted forever. It's probably a database of accounts that they have deleted, and they pull up one. Yeah, yeah. I but it feels so good though. It feels it does. It's cool though because people were looking up like the names of accounts and messaging them, which I thought was really neat. Yeah, yeah. It's like people were actually looking up. We're actually looking up accounts that saved them, and they were like talking to them. It's a super cool thing to do, and like and like the thing they do at the end where it's like, hey. You worked really hard to get to this point. Like, at this point, like, 40 hours, at least. It's like, yeah, you sure like this game, I think, is something they say. <laughs> How much was Polly? How much was it? 2024. <laughs> I kind of puts through it. Uh, let me check my play timer, actually. Uh, 33 hours, mine, so I'm in the middle of you, too. Mine was 44. Uh, but no, yeah, like... Yeah, like they're like, yeah, you really like this game, and you worked really hard to get the chapter select and the debug mode. The worst part is like, they, I think at one point they say no one will know what your decision. Yeah, is. Yeah, they're like, no one will know ever know but you, the person who gets your you know save data to help them win, will probably not remember your name, <laughs> but you will know. Like, so, and, like, that makes it that much more important. Yeah. And then if you click yes, you could just, like, okay, now we're going to show it to you. No, firstly, are you sure? Yeah, they're like, yeah, uh, okay. Are you... We're not we're not joking here. <laughs> yeah, they, they did the same thing in Nier as well. It's like, no, really, I we swear yeah. this is actually going to happen. We're not just fucking with you. Yeah, Nier is, like, way more depressing, though. Is like near as an entity being like wiped from existence? Yeah, that's the thing is that in in the near ending, like in order to save Kaine, you essentially have to like sacrifice her existence, sacrifice your existence for hers. So like it, it's, <laughs> which I think is a reference to like the whole pact system in Drakengard because like that's a thing. Uh um Yeah, so in Near it sounds like it's much more like symbolic. Like you know it still happens, I mean, but like it is your save days like getting erased is symbolizing I mean it's, Yeah, it's, they they don't explicitly call it a pact, but it has the very obvious mechanics of a pact in Drakengard. So what happens is that you're essentially like making a pact to say I will sacrifice my my uh, existence in the form of my save data in order to give this other person their existence back. Um, because they are currently being deleted from the universe. Uh, while uh, Near Automata takes it more like in the kind of meta level where it is because it is actually you fighting off the credits. It is not 2B or 9S or A2 or even yeah. uh, uh, Pod 4-2. Like it is... Yeah, which is actually you doing it which is interesting it's a it's a stark difference from every other yoko taro game because like sure drakengard and near and uh um in drakengard 3 particularly uh you have the game telling you at the end thanks for playing as sort of like an in joke (laughs) like in a cheerful voice thanks for playing this horribly depressing game um but no, like, Nier Automata is the first game that's ever treated the player as an 
as like an actual entity within the game before uh within the narrative um it's like again like you can like you can see the menus that actually exist within the universe um when uh 42 and uh the other pod 153 um talk 153 talk to each other during the loading screens oh i loved that shit uh, thus, like, in order to keep it secret from Yorha, meaning, like, the, so, like, meaning, like, the loading screens are a thing that exist in the game. Yeah, well, the whole, like, but in the universe, but all, it's, only, it's all part of, like, an OS. Yeah, so, like, you are privy to it. Uh, and, like, the fact that, um, you also then, like, take control during the credits uh yeah like the near automata in a way that no other yoko taro game has done like actually make you the player an entity that has like free will in the game which i think again ties back into that whole thing of like the purpose of uh self-awareness like and sentimentality but yeah it's it's really cool uh did you uh did you guys like record what you s- typed in for your message to send to people? No, I, I think I totally forgot that to screenshot yep. that. Cause I, cause I did. Uh, I, I put in, I like to be because of that. I want to help you. <laughs> uh, and my location was hell. I thought the, the meanest one was the one where it says like, it's a Monday night. Don't stay up too late. Oh, yeah. I was like, that's, jerk one <laughs> or the there's there's ones that let you like shit talk people too it's like oh this is probably yeah. too hard for you you should just give up <laughs> I, and i love the the shit talking the game does too of like not no shit talking of like don't you agree that this is worthless yeah don't you like oh those parts yeah it's like do you agree that uh video games are pointless and that is something that also happens at the end of Undertale. Yeah. Where, like, it's... And, like... Like, the culmination of their whole determination thing is you restarted the game again and again and again and again to get to this ending. Yeah. And, and, and also tying back into, again, like, sentimentality in that when it's asking that question like the pure the purely logical answer is like yes games are pointless and yes all this is worthless and none of this actually matters but also like it does matter because the purpose of sentience and self-awareness is not simply to be like a thinking entity that is in te- that has intelligence and can understand the world but one that has an emotional connection to that world, which in many ways is more powerful than the logical one. Um, and so even though those things are, from a logical standpoint, worthless and pointless, like they also aren't. Um, I just... When I finished the game, my best friend like messaged me on Steam. Like He saw me... He knew pretty much where I was in the game, and so when he saw, he saw my Steam on my Steam profile that I was no longer in game. He messaged me and he's like, "So you finished, huh?" I'm like, "Yeah." It's like, 
do you want to talk on Skype for a bit? I was like, yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> and then I just like had this stream of consciousness kind of analysis where I like, talked about my feelings about the game and about what I thought it meant for a good like 10 minutes. And he just sat there listening to me. <laughs> Which, like, it's been an exceptionally long time since a game has done that to me. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I'm not sure how this game is going to do for, like, Game of the Year stuff, since it's so early in the year. And also, there's the obvious um, Breath of the Wild that's going to probably eclipse it, which is a shame. Yeah, especially given my personal feelings <laughs> yeah. on Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Which I will not. I get into definitely here. see a lot of people, a lot of like big name kind of games journalists, go either like one, this is my favorite game of the year so far, even with Breath of the Wild, and two, like I will, like I'm going to write down and like do my best to remember how I'm feeling about this game right now for Game of the Year because I feel like this deserves to be not only in the conversation but near the top of the conversation. Yeah, Patrick Klepek in particular is the one I always think of about that, where he's like, "I have to, I have to talk about this game because I feel like uh, Alex Navarro also did." That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to their spoiler cast uh, with Austin oh, Walker. Yeah, also, yeah, I, 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 I'm especially looking forward to what Alex says about it because I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of times Alex and I have like very similar personalities and uh like things we like in games uh can i uh, just ask with the both of you and maybe you will have a, a better answer to this than i do it, is there any reason why yeah. a2 killed mm-hmm. the ba- robot baby other than just killing robots I, I don't know. Like, like I mean, I, her I, whole thing, I, at least for the beginning of her character arc, is killing robots, so I can I can understand it. I, I feel like her character was a little... wasn't given enough time to develop yeah. like the other two. Yeah, A2 was... I, I hear if you read the play, yeah, you get a if lot I had to more guess, of her. Yeah, my, I, I know her, mich- her mission with... Um, how many of their unit a units was yeah. intentionally a failure? It was you read you could read in the background stuff that she that they were surprised she survived because she was supposed to be the, one of the weaker units, and they were surprised at her resourcefulness and getting out. And I believe at some point she figured out you know the truth about obviously the truth about Yorha and all that. I think she just decided to yeah go I, against both sides. I think yeah I I think at this point like a two just. Like, her whole purpose is just to okay. burn everything down. I, I just wasn't sure, like, anymore. is that, like, another piece of the puzzle I'm missing, or is it... Yeah. Yeah, her yeah her motivation is kind of weird, because you're not really ever sure why she's against... I mean, you can assume why she's against uh, Yorha, but you, why she would still be against machine life forms you can't I really mean, quite put together. I, I, yeah, like, the nihilism is implied, but it's never really stated or like yep. expanded upon I can definitely like in it, at a certain point it is still hard to uh, when you have been at war and were made to be at war with someone uh, it can be hard to get over those things like it is interesting yeah. to see 9S revert back to like basically like build up over the course of routes A and B 
like a, a deep love for like a love for machines. Yeah, and then have him just to completely revert and go like no because of what now. happens with Two B. Uh, yeah, I still man, the opening of uh, Root B is still so fucking good. Wait, do you mean Root well, C? Well, no, the ending of Root C is open, or... good too, but will you play as the robot? Oh, oh did, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was. But that was a moment of why I'm like watching that, like, oh shit, <laughs> I'm playing. Oh, oh. I think. Did, I, yes! did you stumble over the pipe too? It's so sad. Uh-huh. It makes it so yeah. sad. I think. I think there you can also get another walk away ending. If nine S just if you if you ignore the order that, and walk away, you get another bad ending that way. Yeah, that's the just, bad ending yeah. Ashley and I were talking about getting. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then you just have to do that brother part all over yeah. again. I'm like, oh, uh, whoops. Because I thought that was the way you're supposed to go. <laughs> See, I knew that you weren't supposed to go that way, and I intentionally did it because, like, I knew that was a bad ending. You uh, get. <laughs> I think after that, I just. I just figured, like, uh, I don't... Like, after that, I realized, like, uh, I kind of don't care about getting the bad endings because it completely fucks up the tempo of the game if I'm, like, constantly... Yeah, and also segments. some of the... So I just decided so to, like, many of them the are bad like endings from then a on. few sentences. Yeah. Yeah, they're usually not... They're, some are kind of funny, but, like, they're not... They're not interesting enough to see... Yeah. To actually pursue them. Yeah, and like all, all it was gonna be was a let like a letter on my save file, and I was like, yeah, like I'll do if that there was, if you, if it was a, you know, the the Yoko Taro of old where you had to have like every single ending to get ending E, like I would, yeah, you needed yeah. like all the weapons upgraded. Like, I then think. I would do yeah. it, but if once I heard that that was not the case, I was like, oh okay, I can be a bit better about this and not like obsess over it. Yeah, thankfully this time there are literally no restrictions on endings. You can just do them all in sequence. I, I saw some people were missing ending E, and I was like, how, how, how? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. It's... Well, like, to be fair, like, I initially missed it the first time. Like, even though I knew it was there, like, I chose the wrong thing. Because I didn't realize, like... I thought you would get ending E by saying, no, I don't want to delete their data. Yeah, but I, I figure though if you like do the wrong choice and it ends, you, part of you'd be like, oh, what's the other choice? Yeah, like back? after that happens, I was like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to say, yes, I do want to delete their data. And then um, like as it gets, when it gets further along into the credits, then, it, then it's like, oh, actually, I don't want to do uh, this. Like, I thought for... Uh, like, cause I saw some people going like, "Oh, like, how do you get Indigi at all?" And I'm like, I, "The game lays out pretty thick." Yeah, I, I thought I thought there'd be a fourth playthrough. Honestly, yeah. the way people were talking about it. Uh, <laughs> I am a little bit surprised that A2 didn't get more screen time, because I felt like she was a lot more prominent in the advertising. Yeah, I. From what I thought, the, yeah, she's in like, the box. I heard about the multiple playthroughs and that you played as multiple characters. So I saw, thought that uh, you know, root A would be 2B, root B would be 9S, and then root C would be all A2 from her yeah. point of view during the original Yeah, story. I figured like it was going to be like, oh, you'll see what she's doing while you're doing that stuff. And then uh, root D would be like the 
culmination of all of it. Yeah, our powers combined. <laughs> yeah, but it obviously went in a different way. And I, I still, like I said, like the uh, beginning of Route C. Yeah. The beginning of Route C is very badass. Yeah, her... It, I just wanted more of her because, like, I feel like we were missing stuff because, like, I really liked her, like, report with 42, but, like, I don't know. I just feel like she... Obviously, B and A or B and Nine got a lot of screen time, and she did not. She had to share it with Nine S, which yeah. kind of sucked. I, I this is a very small thing, but every time that Two uh, B uh, pulls out her sword, it's I always felt it was so cool. Yep, uh huh. Like the whole the whole like she thing system <laughs> in that Two B has, like where they kind of float behind her using these techno magic yeah. rings is just radical. Well, I didn't notice this, but apparently 9S can only fights with the, the, the levitation of his weapons because he can't do it physically. Yeah, he always uses like the telekinesis. Yeah, because they're too yeah, heavy. Yeah, I never noticed that. Yeah, because he, he's not meant to fight with them, so like he has to... Gosh, I, I don't know how much he weighs, but I think 2B weighs like th- what, over 300 pounds. Yeah, I think it's like 320. She's got a big booty, okay? <laughs> it's a lot of junk in that trunk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I felt I, I said this uh, to Dustin and uh, Polly, but I I felt both uh, proud of myself and shame that I never did the uh, self destruct with a two B. I did it once because I just had to know. I did it with nine S. That's kind of disappointed. I did it once because I wanted to see if it gamed you. I thought it killed you. Yeah, I mean, it is labeled self-destruct, so you'd think. Yeah, but you just, like, you, you just lose, like, all, you go down to, like, 1 HP. Yeah, uh, you just enter Ikitosen mode, which is a uh, anime reference that, like, you probably won't get. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dustin. I'm sorry. Thanks for the... I apologize for infect- infecting this podcast with anime. I know, it's... <sighs> Can't help it. 20%, 25%. Uh, God. Yeah. No. Uh. That was good. I I originally didn't know that that was what self destruct did, because I'd heard like, oh, if you do something, then it damages her clothes, and you just get the leotard. So, but when I saw like self destruct, when you have to turn it on, we don't have to, but when they say you have to turn it on at the beginning, I was like, oh, that's a kind of cool thing, like where like this is just a story like mode thing. But they're making you turn it on because, like, you would have to in the fiction of this world. But, no, yeah. that's just the thing you can do so you can blow her up and... see and, Yeah, and see her one piece. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think um, if there's anything else I want to say about Nier Automata. Um, the DLC... If it's, if it's real. Oh right, yeah, the DLC fighting f- where you fight I'm not... the president uh, of Square. Yeah, Yikes. I wasn't sure if that was real or not. It is. I'm pr- I'm almost certain it is. Yes. Uh, we, we did fight their company's name, so I guess that's it. Follows. Yeah, you and fight the CEOs of Square Enix and Platinum. Yeah, and you get to dress up. Uh, you get to dress up. I think two BS Kine, nine S as Emil, and. Uh, A2 as near, I think. Yeah. Which is great. Can, can it be old? Is it old near? Because it'd be really amazing. Uh, it's 
it's just the outfits. So, and both old Nier and young Nier have the same exact outfit. Oh, so. I thought Nier had the uh, the weird eye patch, and young Nier didn't. Oh wait, hold on. No, I'm I'm wrong. You're right. It actually two uh, B gets the revealing outfit, which is Kaine. Which yeah, that's fair because Kaine is literally just wearing lingerie. Uh, young man's outfit for nine S, which is the young Nier, and destroyer outfit for A two, which is adult Nier. Uh, that's perfect. Um. I love it because like A two like in the story like has like probably the most revealing costume. Oh yeah, yeah, because like her stuff is just already destroyed. But it's also like, yeah, she's get repaired at all either. So, but also it reveals a lot of her like her seams. Yeah, yeah, yeah like she actually looks like an android. Uh, I just want to say very quick while co- talking about costumes, I do love uh, two B's costume wish... in a. Uh, Rupsy. Oh yeah, like the stormtrooper one. Oh, yeah, I thought I wish there were more like clothing options, but that was kind of another thing that they didn't do a whole lot with. Yeah, I do too. Like they give you a lot of accessories, like the the yeah, pink and kind blue of bows the, yeah, the, and stuff. But bows and the machine head—that's about it, though. Really, like... uh, and you can get the flower. Yeah. Oh, the flower. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You can get the um the white flower from Dragon Guard Three, and also the lunar tier. Yeah, uh, and 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 the valve valve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you pre-order on Steam, you get the uh, little valve. That you know the uh, loading screen comes up first. Valve games. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's the yeah she has the valve in her eye as a costume for pre-ordering. I think also you can get um, Pod Forty Two as the uh, Grimoire. Yep. You can get the Grimoire uh, on PlayStation. You can get it as a PS One. Yeah, you can get a cardboard box pod. Box, yeah. Box pod, which I never used, but yeah. I used I, the Grimoire for a while. I rolled around with the PS1 for a while, and then also they have one that's based on the Famicom. Oh, nice. Like, so it's the red and white. Uh, and so I, also, I did what? that for a while. I also like that you can get, um, like, there are a couple special weapons that you can get. Like there's a uh, there's both a Dragon Quest and a Final Fantasy 15 weapon. Like you can get the engine blade. Yeah, I got the engine blade. Uh, and it changes it changes both the damage numbers you see and also like the the dodge style to be like the phase shift that Noctis has in FF15. That's really cool. Yeah. Like, so they they put a lot of work into sort of, sort of the more goofy stuff in this game. I just wish the bows weren't so bit comically large. Because I wanted to put yeah. the the bows on to uh, 2B and 9S, but well, they just look too big. I also kind of wanted, I kind of also wanted some like coloring for the actual costumes because the bows don't really match at all. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I, um, go ahead. I wasn't really saying anything. Oh, I'm gonna change subject here. So you got anything left to say about the uh, costume? Uh, go ahead. Just the very quick on the stormtrooper outfit that she has. I still love that she has like cross stockings on it. Oh yeah, uh huh. <laughs> that 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 like even even in like their combat outfit, they still have to be super fashionable. It's real good. I oh god, like the all are like the commander like has like the most extravagant like outfit. Yeah, the the commander looks a lot like honestly, she looks a lot like Zero does from Dragon Guard Three. The commander has a riding whip. Yeah, yeah, she has. Yeah. Uh, oh God, what do you call that? 
A crop. Um, riding crop, yes. A crop. Uh, I honestly thought, just very quickly, because, like, when you get back to the bunker, and they're like, you're acting like you're infected, I thought that was how it was gonna go. Oh, yeah. Is, like, oh, Tubi and 9S were, are, like, the only ones infected because they've interacted with all this machine shit. Yeah. And they just, like, killed all of these... Well, also, uh, 9S and stuff in playthrough 2 that affected yeah. them. Yes. And then you're like, oh, that's how it would transition to you playing as A2 because you're infected now. Yes, that's how I thought it was going to go, but yeah. obviously not. Uh, uh, go ahead uh, with your next topic. I was talking about, uh, we didn't really touch on the uh, quote-unquote main villain, uh, creepy grandpa anime toddler guy. The terminal network. Oh, right, yeah, the machine network. and He's like two, it's like two personalities, like Alpha and Beta, I think, is his official name. Yeah, like one of them is this uh, anime girl in like a red dress. I mean, they both are, but one's got like a, one got the really creepy face. Yeah. Yeah. The, the part where a two is like in the machine network and like you, you can't kill them by attacking them. You have to like, let their, you like have to let their AI sort of propagate enough that Fract- they gain enough consciousness to fracture to like fracture and start arguing with each other is such a cool idea. But yeah, I yeah, it, it's uh, like, and I love that she says they're acting like humans. Yeah, yeah, it's real good. Uh, and of course they you know they pop up like in towards the end of playthrough two they pop up in like weird spots mostly the you know the end especially i did notice that yeah like i mean like i'm pretty sure that girl wasn't here before also like There's in the bu- hangar they appear yeah i try to talk to them and i it, it if you get to them it, it cuts the next uh the cutscene. that was a thing though too in uh playthrough 2 that also they didn't really play upon but 9s acts like he had done it before and I don't know if that was... I thought it was like, okay, it's going to be him being aware of, like, a meta thing, him being aware of the multiple playthroughs, something, something like that, and tie into the whole multiple endings thing, but I guess it's supposed to be a reference to the fact that he's been memory-wiped so many times. I mean, it could be both, like, because it's, it's entirely possible that Route A, like, represents just another instance of the loop, and then Route B is the instance where things finally break or at least the start of when things finally break yeah. that leads directly yeah to I just I figured it, it kind of happens early on with the uh, I think it's the like uh, it's the gold enemies that you can only hack to kill oh right to teach yeah, you how to hack right. yeah. and he's like I did this before he was, I think he did this before and I was like okay that's, that's how this is going to go it's going to be him I think what he says is like, these vu. guys weren't here before yeah something like that yeah or he fought this before, and I was like, okay, and you get and you get the little like machine god like um, cutscenes in between the parts of that playthrough. Yeah, I think with him narrating. Yeah, you get you get like the little storybook things, um, particularly with the the one I remember most was with the big salamander thing. You fight during the fallen yeah, yeah. the fallen city part where it's like, yeah, he just wanted to be friends, but like. It was dangerous for other things to like. He always caused harm wherever he went because he couldn't control his power. So he had to isolate himself and be lonely. 
the one I always like couldn't get out of my head was the, the you know he like you know he killed his mother. Yeah. He killed his father. Yeah. Yeah, that one stuck. Yeah. There's also those. one. There was one that happened during the, the factory part where they're talking about like their curse or something like that. It was that whole part's really weird though. Well, like they have one where they it uh, goes from the storybook to the actual like what you see on the route A, where it goes from like them all hailing like the machine god to like the aftermath of that. Oh yeah. Yeah, those were always, like, super effective for me. Of, like, 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 what the fuck is going on? Um, now, obviously, there's already a sequel talk. We touched on earlier, he's obviously willing to do for the money. He made that one tweet at the, uh, doing the sequel, but do you think he would continue this? Because, obviously, the past several games have not continued like that. Like, you know, obviously, near and Automata are not like really connected that closely for new players. So, do you think he would actually, since this one's so popular now, this this game, do you think he would do a direct continuation of the story, or he would like again, like a thousand, it's like you know, a hundred thousand years in the future or in the past or whatever? This is this is sort of I, I might be a little biased here, but so far the pattern has been Dragon Guard One near. Drakengard 3, uh, and the reason I'm skipping Drakengard 2 is because, for those who don't know, Drakengard 2 was not created by Yoko Taro. Um, so his games go Drakengard 1, Nier, Drakengard 3, Nier Automata. I, I personally would be more likely to bet, and also I would kind of like him to make a Drakengard 4 <laughs> as his next thing. No, obviously he has to make Drakengard 5. Oh, just to make it yeah. only odd numbers? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that would be pretty Have good. there be no, like, and they'll mention stuff that happened in 4, but there is no 4. That would be great, actually. Uh, <laughs> and, like, again, I'm partly biased just because I think the Drakengard universe is super interesting. But also because, like, um, Drakengard 3 introduces this concept of a sort of, like, big bad, like, it's not, it's not even really a villain. It's like a sort of abstract concept, but, like, the flower that's in her eye is this entity that eats time. Uh, And so, like, the more branches of timelines there are, the more it can feed. Uh, And, like, there's always the threat of, like, eventually it will just eat all of existence. Um, And in one of the endings of Drakengard 3, the dragon seals the flower away. Um, but I was like, I was kind of expecting when Nier Automata was announced that the flower would play a more important part, but like the only part of Drakengard 3 that surfaces is like the silly Easter egg name drop of a chord to explain the, how you're buying all these weapons. Uh, so from a personal standpoint, I kind of would like for him to make another game that like kind of touches on that whole thing with the flower and the watchers because i find all that stuff yeah. extremely fascinating i guess the thing is that um how much pull he's gonna have versus what square enix has yeah. like if yeah. 
like if he's gonna be allowed to do what he wants to do, or if he's gonna do what you know, or maybe he'll do it. Because for a lot of people, this is like his. The, I imagine that this is gonna be the game where most people got introduced yeah, to him. Yeah, probably. Like if it's up to him, I think he'd do Dragon Guard. Um, if it's if it's Square Enix going like, hey, why don't you make another one of these? It's probably gonna be a near Automata, uh, either spin or continuation. I honestly wonder if he would. I would be really into near just being a loosely connected, almost anthology series. Yeah. Like I'd I'd be fine with that. Like honestly, whatever Yoko Taro did, I'd trust him. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think he'll have platinum to back him from now on, just to make sure the games like play well. Because a big thing about his games I've heard is basically. It's got a good story, but it plays like especially the Dragon Guard series. I've yeah. heard like just watch a let's play or watch a read a summary. Uh, I've heard people go both ways on Nier. Like if you can, like it's 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 playable. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I guess for Nier, from what I've heard of Nier, like I've heard people who are very defensive of it and very, uh, you know, into it. Uh, and then people who are like Nier is like one of the worst games I've ever played. Yeah, I, my friend Mike Blaze absolutely detests near he thinks it's the worst game that's ever been made uh and so he cannot stand to hear me talk about that game <laughs> see i've heard i've heard different i've heard that dragon guard 3 is like really a bear to play uh, through it, and... it is it's easier to play through than one is but dragon guard 3 like that's weird i've, I've heard dragon guard 1's like it's not good but like it's easier than dragon guard 3 i've heard no one recommend playing dragon oh. guard 3 i've always heard read synopsises watch videos see I, I don't know i found dragon guard 3 to be easier to play through than one but like also i'll tell that maybe just stockholm syndrome i mean like i played both of them though <laughs> like uh also just i maybe it's just because maybe both of them are just fairly equal and the only reason why it, i didn't mind it so much in three was that I thought three's story with three's writing was way more interesting and better than Dragon Guard ones. It was so that might be part of it, but like, yeah, it's a shame that Dragon Guard three plays like it does because, like, if it had if it played as well as Nier Automata, Dragon Guard three would be one of my favorite games of all time. I think now they, I, I'm pretty sure Platinum's going to stick with uh, stick with him as far as future games go because I believe they are like. The team themselves are like just fans of his work in general. I hope so. Like, yeah, I would love that. That's what I've heard. I've heard that the them working on his game was not a like coincidence thing. It was their decision. To, they wanted to work with him because they liked a lot of people on that team likes his his work. Yeah, I, so from hope it spells for good things in the future. Like kind of the, the guy he shows up with like a, a lot of you know E threes and like the he, kind of head platinum guy on this project. Apparently, it's just a huge fan of the original Nier. Yeah. No, what he should do is make, instead of making Dragon Guard 5, he should just go back and make Dragon Guard 2 again. <laughs> Dragon Guard 2 Redux. That'd be pretty funny. Oh, God. Because I honestly find it really hard to think what they could, like, what would the spinoff of these characters be? Well, that's the thing. I'm not sure if it'd be a. I mean, there's obviously a lot of plot threads to go through here. I guess a game starting like Jackass or something. I mean, uh, from my experience, like he doesn't really ever revisit characters much. Like Emil is actually a shocking exception. 
Um, because near... I think that, I think he just loves Emil. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, it would be kind of cool if Emil was the only character to ever recur. <laughs> like, like he's choke. he's a chocobo of, of yeah. near. He's like, the game takes place in like a hundred thousand AD or whatever. And he's still yeah, around. Cause like Dragon Guard three had the saddest chocobo. <laughs> oh, or I guess no. he, I guess he'd be more the Sid of, of yeah. near. Except he said he actually is the same person in every game. <laughs> Because, like, Drakengard 3 had, like, a single character from Drakengard 1 who cameoed. Um, Brother 1, specifically. Uh, but, like, Brother 1 was only in, I think, one uh, one or two of the endings. Um, but otherwise, like, in many of the endings, like, there just straight up weren't any recurring characters from Drakengard 1. Um, I... All this said, I would kill to play Jackass game, like Polly said. Yeah. Again, like if they did a Drakengard three remake, three remake, that that kind of would spiritually be a Jackass game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I played the Jackass game; it was okay. <laughs> no, not that Jackass. Uh, but um, and then like in near, like aside from the references to. Uh, Angelus and Kime, like there were zero recurring characters from Drakengard. And then in Nier Automata, you only have Emil showing up and like a reference to a chord. So like he he tends to just he tends to not have characters like uh, uh, come back. I think the most likely route is he will do a Nier, but it will not be like a direct sequel. It'll be a like auto like you know we have right now a distant sequel that references older events but it's uh more or less a whole new story because yeah. that way because that way you have the near name which i imagine all square wants that name recognition but he also at the same time he can still do his own thing yeah i mean the real question will it will be like will it still be on earth like will it be a distant future where the ark has landed somewhere and the, the machines have created a new civilization somewhere else yeah. in the galaxy yeah i can see that like yeah. it, it seems like it's unconnected but then you at some point in the game you find like the ark or something and you get a bunch of like logs from adam or whatever uh now what how about this a near near colon dragon guard (laughs) three or dragon guard four yeah i mean that that's that's sort of like my particular fanboy dream is like a game that does kind of connect the universes more like solidly where like both are referenced in the same game so so you're like yoko taro kart uh, more like, oh god, I'm trying to think. Uh, Super uh, Smash Yoko Taro. More like Yoko Taro Dissidia. <laughs> or like the, uh, there's the Super Robot Wars where they combine all of like the giant mecha anime into one thing. Yeah, Super Super ML Wars. <laughs> yeah, so like just have like 2B and like Bishonen near and Sad Dad near all meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I have no idea what he does after this. All all I know is that like it's probably going to be very sad and also very good. Yeah, I I know that I will be there to play it. Yeah, I love the interview where people are like, "Hey, so you're going to do a remake of the original Nier now that you have people who know how to design combat systems?" And Yokotaro's like, "I'd love to do that. Just give me money. I will do anything if you give me money." <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I 
don't know. I don't really have much else to say about Nier Automata. Yeah. We have been yeah, going for almost yep. like th- three hours. Yeah, I so. think we covered it pretty exhaustively. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely one of my top man, top three, if not top games. Yeah. It I was just so of all time surprised. or of the year. Yeah, of all time, I'd say. Extremely high phrase. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's the same for me. Like uh, I had some people like go like, Oh, what do you think of Nier? Like, you know, is it actually that good? And I'm like, Well, it's one of my favorite like top three games of all time, so I guess. Yeah, like I like I obviously and have from, a, a, a slightly different top three list, but um, yeah, it's it's I consider it an extremely good game. I'd have to think real hard if I would put it in my top ten, but it, it would be a strong contender. Yeah, like it's just from a game I expected almost like not a lot from. I just kind of picked up like oh, a lot of people are talking about this. The girl looks cute in it. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> look, look, yeah, Yoko Taro I, I, I loves a, his. Loves his uh, gothic, uh, white-haired girls. That's for sure. You know what? Same. Yeah. <laughs> I like the yeah, rose lawns. Uh, others in the play with my. I got a new PC and I want to try it out. So I picked that up because like it was like the newest thing out there. And Mass Effect wasn't that good. So I I am. Like, I think I made the better choice yeah, here. As as a Yoko Taro fan like for a long time back when like no one gave a shit about his games like i am just ex- extremely happy that niratamana has done so well and has brought so many new people in cuz i figured niratamata would be like a thing that would do well among people who had already like known about taro and might have might have brought some extra people in but would like do fairly modestly um and to see it like bring in so many new fans is just like oh thank god <laughs> I'm so happy this is happening <laughs> that like this guy is finally getting like the recognition that I thought he deserved for, has been deserving of for a long time. Uh, yeah, it's so. Can I ask you go something ahead. real quick? Sure. Or you go first, Polly. No, go ahead. Uh, we've all talked about kind of Yokotaro in very high terms. He seems to not like that. What do you think about that? Uh, I I think, I think part of it is legitimate. Like him, just because uh, there are certain artists who are just naturally kind of like self-deprecating. Uh, but I also think he does it partly just to play it up as like a humor thing. Because he's a very, very funny person. Uh, he yes. he loves joking and i think that is just a thing for him to do that he thinks is hilarious which it is uh uh like when they announced that it was going to be on steam he has a, a very funny video because it was like announced during uh the game like games week in germany i forgot what it's called like i think it's Le- GameCon, uh, i think it's Le- called was it leipzig it may have been leipzig yeah uh He's like, oh yeah, I would be there, but uh, my doctor said my liver is not doing too well, and yeah. if I couldn't drink beer there, then what's the point of going? Yeah, because he because uh, he also made that comment when he taught when he was asked about like how platinum has uh, changed things for him. He was like, oh yeah, because like it used to be that I'd have to do a lot of uh, uh, like actual nitty gritty uh, coding as well because like you know Kavia was a small team, so I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't focus as much on writing and drinking, but now that Platinum is here, I can f- do a lot more drinking, which helps me do more writing. 
Uh, and then he goes like, oh, we're all working hard. Well, I'm not really working hard. Yeah. On near Atana, yeah, or the one, uh, and yeah, he, or like the interview he it, did, where the the one uh, video he did where he's talking about how like, oh yeah, Atlas is gonna be making a sort of modern fantasy game. He's like, look, Near and Drakengard have a very specific niche. Don't take this away from us. <laughs> You're gonna destroy. <laughs> like we Nier. will die. And then he goes like, well, if you know, Persona just starts moving into our t- territory, we'll just move into where Persona used to be. And the next near will just be a high school game, like a game that takes place in high school. Which, like, yeah, sure, <laughs> give me that. Honestly, if yeah. that was the next near, that I'd be really into that. Absolutely. Like his take on, like, high school anime games. <laughs> I want Yoko Taro on the next uh, Pokemon. Oh God, I actually want to see what Yoko Taro would do for a Final Fantasy game. Because, like, to me. Final Fantasy plot lines have been, uh, like, honestly kind of stale for a while. Where, like, the games themselves are fine, but I haven't cared about a storyline since, like, 12. And even that one has been kind Even that one was, like, uh, had its issues. Um, I I just... Though, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little too harsh on Final Fantasy, but, like... I guess in general, I find JRPG storylines to be very cliche these days. Where like it's actually where it's like it's the people where they feel like they're created by people who loved the JRPGs back when they were playing those games and are just like constantly like their inspiration is just those games, so they keep making like this oro this there's this ouroboros of creativity. Um. And like, uh, I'd like I'd like Yoko Taro to try and make one of those styles of games just to see what he would do with that formula. Actually, that was why I ended up buying Nier was because uh, Persona Five had just come out and I was saving my own money for that. Yeah, and then I had heard some stuff about it, and I was actually like, I don't want to play Persona Five right now. Oh yeah, I guess I'll play this Nier game that's that just came out and people are seeming to like. Nice. <laughs> And, like, I've heard that Persona 5 is, like, a, a perfectly fine game. And, like, as many people point out, like, Nier's got some stuff that you could e- easily point to as being uh, the, the problematic. Yeah. Uh, Having played both of them, it, I like Nier Automata more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's something to also to be said just for Yoko Taro's refreshing just bluntness with it. Yeah. Like, there's the interview that he did at PAX East. Like, he, he was on a panel uh, where they had interviews from the audience. And one is really funny because Yogitaro's, they're like, okay, you know, Yogitaro, are you ready to take questions from the audience? He's like, no. <laughs> it's like, well, you're going to anyway. He's like, well, okay, then. <laughs> that really wasn't a question, was it? <laughs> uh, and one of them is, why does Tubi wear high heels? And he gives this. They all. I think most of the Yorha units do, don't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were just pointing to Tubi as one of the, as, like, kind of the main example. Okay. Uh, but it was, you know, like, one of the, you know, why does Quiet have... Oh, that, yeah. You know, like, a bikini and... The whole tortured, like, explanation, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, well, I was thinking, you know, about what happens in the future and, like, these robots who wouldn't really have to worry about a lot of things that humans have to worry about. 
when dressing and when uh, fighting. And so I thought, like, what they would have to do the, you know, to make the androids look both imposing and, you know, imposing to enemies, but friendly to other androids. And then he was like, but also, I just really like girls in high heels, and I just really like girls. <laughs> which, which like, has a lot in common with Hideki Kamiya's uh, uh, re- reasons for having Bayonetta dress uh, the way she does. Because, like... Yeah, literally, yeah, Kamiya so designed Bayonetta because he likes tall women who are also doms, <laughs> who also wear glasses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I just got to talk with our good friend Luke about Quiet for a while, and the tortured explanation of why that had to be that way. Yeah, yeah. That was just yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna do it, just be like honest at, at the very yeah. least. Yeah. It's, I was like, oh, okay, that's... It's a thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, listen, I like to be. Yeah, I agree. In all the ways. I do too. <laughs> uh, I also just think, like, sort of in that similar vein, it always baffles me that, like, the same people who tend to flock to Yoko Taro games, like, are the same people who will... Or at least... There is overlap between the people who obsess about Yoko Taro games um, and the people who go on message boards complaining about Bioware being SJW and shoving gay people down their throats. And it's like, are you paying attention at all? I saw that, like, where someone got so angry with the uh, conversation you have with 6-0 yeah. about her uh, getting rejected by a girl. And they were like, Yoko Taro, I thought you were one of us. I thought you were, like, you know. He's like, no, he never was. It's, yeah, it's hilarious, because, like, he's never been one of you guys. I, like, he's all... I honestly think he probably has no idea what he was talking about. I think people don't understand that, like, especially someone, I think, what's, he's in his, what, 40s? Probably. Like, uh, look, I can show Like, you. it's just at that age where I, he does not care about stuff that goes on on the internet. Yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, 46 years. Yeah, he's 46 years old. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't think he is, like, one of those, like, you know, the, the gamer game, but, like, I don't even think that he is... He's not Jaffe. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's it's just it's just funny to me, and, like, really, it really brings, it's really evidence for the idea that the people who complain about that stuff just aren't really ever engaging with those games in a way where like they have any idea what the message is like they're clearly not engaging with those games in any meaningful way uh i wonder how many of those people played through route a and that was it yeah i was like one scene though i don't i I don't know it all felt fairly you know organic to me yeah it 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 absolutely did and it's like because there's oh yeah it definitely like didn't feel like it was because I just recently talked about this on my other podcast, Transmission Radio, uh, I didn't feel like he was checking off a box of like, oh, and now yeah. like here's my gay character. And it Mass Effect feels a lot like that. Yes. It feels very cold, very focus grouped. It does not feel like yeah. you're writing organic characters properly. Yeah. Which is a and... which is a definitely a fair criticism. It's just not the criticism that those people use. Their criticism is is yeah. how dare you put these people in it all. Yeah. And I read an interview with Yogatara where he was just saying, 
someone asked him about that. He's like, oh, why do you think, why do you uh, make special, like, motions to, like, include people like this in your games? Uh, like, you know, like a meal or... Uh, or Kine. Kine? Yeah. It's like, Kine. N- name any other game that has a hermaphrodite as a protagonist. Or at all. Like That isn't played like... Yeah. That's played seriously. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, I read about these people living in our world and it made sense to put some of them in like in my world like it's not like i'm not trying to make a political statement or make a you know like it a big thing it's just i heard about them here so i put them there it's like yeah why wouldn't i want to use these characters like why wouldn't i want to put in people like this like because the world is varied and fascinating and interesting um but yeah, like he, he's always been like that. It's like <laughs> another thing. Like this is getting into more Dragon Guard three territory, but it segues nicely from what we were talking about with him, like just not doing things that just doing things that no one else is doing really. But like, there's a scene in Dragon Guard three where, uh, um, uh, Zero, um, the female protagonist, is talking to her like. Uh, male servants as like okay we we've got to talk about what we do during when we're fucking that's like we need to talk about each other's sexual preferences so we're pleasing each other properly it's like i've never seen a game do that ever like most like sex games don't even do that yeah it's like i've and then there's a scene where she talks about like menstruation like explicitly again does it happen it's definitely yeah it's very interesting like what he does yeah with that yeah yokotaro is a fascinating guy who makes fascinating games and i think that's a pretty good place to end this yep yep uh yeah it's i'm really happy that he's got a he's i guess quote unquote hit the big time now yeah he'll be able to make the games he really wants to with the team he can get to make those games happen we need more like good creative types like that yeah I read it if you were here. like saying like when I was a younger developer, uh, I was always like fighting against these established people who I viewed as like the bosses of the video game world, like you know like the the final boss yeah. of the video game world, and that I was, would just eventually have to defeat them to become to make the games that I wanted to make. And I was like, oh, you know, just leave, old man. <laughs> and he's like, now I've realized that I've become the old man. I've become the final boss, and there will be someday a young game developer with ideas that I've never thought of who will eventually unseat me. Man, I can't imagine what the Yoko Taro 2.0 will be like. <laughs> the mask is going to be awesome, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you, Ashley and Polly, for joining joining me for this podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, was, uh, yeah. I was extremely excited to talk about this game with people. Yeah, it's a game that's... Uh, the whole time Ashley was playing about. it... Yeah, the whole time Ashley was playing it, I was had to bite my tongue because you don't it's a game you want to talk about but you can't until someone's actually finished it yeah you know yeah and then the floodgates just open because what happens at the end just changes so much about that game yeah uh but yeah so uh that'll be it for this episode of skies of academia uh thank you for joining me um if you want you can send me uh send us uh Questions or comments at uh, skiesofacademia at gmail.com uh, or you can leave comments 
on uh, audioentropy.com on the page for this show. Uh, I still have not figured out what my uh, official outro will be for this. It should Should be Yoko Taro doing the whole shit Square Enix thing. (laughs) That or that or this cannot continue. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that's. I feel like this cannot continue would be appropriate because really we're at almost three hours and we can't continue. Oh, I guess I should. I guess I should say before. I'll maybe. Where can they find you, Ashley, if they want to hear more of you? Uh, you can find me like this podcast at audioentropy.com with shows like Transmission Radio, Total Reprise. Uh, let me tell you about Homestuck, and let me tell me even going. Burgers of Pops, Cosmic Call, Lot of Podcasts. You can find me at Yuri Librarian with an underscore on Twitter and a dash on Tumblr. And my Patreon at patreon.com slash Ashley Lee Minor. Got a lot of pies in the oven. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Polly, where can they find you? If you, uh, if you, you want me, to be found. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can find me at local uh, grocery stores. Uh, I like to go to Wendy's sometimes. So if I'm there, you might run into me. In, uh, in the frozen aisle? Uh, no. I usually get some uh, go for the breads. Oh, okay, that's fair. You can find me in dairy. <laughs> I, I work dairy. I'm not going back there. <laughs> All right. Uh, end right. of podcast. <laughs> yep. Intro music for this episode comes from Blue Dot Sessions and their track Shift of Currents. The outro music was taken from Near Automata. Skies of Academia is a proud member of Audio Entropy, the home for a variety of amateur podcasts including Cosmic Call, Transmission Radio, and Let Me Tell You About Evangelion. You can find all these shows and more at www.audioentropy.com. Audio Entropy, talking about what we love, with who we love, till the end of time.